You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast number 70. It is Monday, January 4th, 2021, and after offering the Soul Awakening Astrology, of 2020 morphing into 2021, we now present the Soul Awakening Astrology of 2021 and Beyond, Part 1. This new podcast and recent podcasts include the Jupiter-Saturn Union in Aquarius on the same day as the Winter Solstice in the Northern Hemisphere on December 21, 2020. The chart for Joe Biden being declared President-elect on Saturday, November 7, the horoscope for the evening of the U.S. election on November 3rd, the USA birth chart for July 4th, 1776, the next presidential inauguration horoscope for January 20th, 2021, charts for Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Mike Pence, Kamala Harris, several horoscopes of previous presidential inaugurations, plus the total solar eclipse on December 14, 2020, the chart for the vernal equinox in the Northern Hemisphere on March 20th of 2021, and key charts of upcoming major planetary alignments happening in the next few years. Overall, this is the 70th podcast offered to the public since May of 2019. So again, welcome everyone to 2021. We know where we've been. Um, I am very grateful for Everyone listening to these podcasts, some of them started fairly short back in May of 2019 when I began all of these. They were 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Then we went on an hour, an hour plus. And um, any of you who have listened to these these podcasts and all the way through know that I did about 13 podcasts on coronavirus and astrology. Some of those were fairly long. I've just finished six podcasts about the United States elections in November and the upcoming presidential inauguration on January 20th of 2021. And one of the important things is, while you may get these podcasts through Apple, Spotify, and different places, it's really only at our website at www.greatbearenterprises.com. That's where there is our Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope section of all the podcasts and a folder that allows you to see various charts, beautiful color charts, in some cases, different images that I want to present for each of these podcasts, as well as, and we'll be doing that this time as well. Sometimes I'm reading from uh, the Pioneering Astrology newspaper and magazine from the 1980s and 1990s that I was fortunate enough to publish and be the editor of, and dozens of astrologers were part of, Welcome to Planet Earth. And At the close of this podcast, which is fundamentally an introduction to what we've been doing recently with these different charts and cycles, as well as looking ahead into the next couple of months and much of 2021 and beyond, there will be several podcasts, several parts of this series. At the end of this uh, introduction, I'm going to be reading um, from the July-August 2000 Welcome to Planet Earth Astrology magazine the cover story, Unlocking the Mysteries of Esoteric Astrology. And I've referred to esoteric astrology quite a bit. I've read from some of the 
Alice A. Bailey books, where I was fortunate enough to work at Lucis Publishing Company, Lucis Trust, World Goodwill, Triangles. That was back in 1974, 75, before I then went on to be a member of the Findhorn community in Northern Scotland for several years. So I still do a tremendous amount of work with these metaphysical teachings. And um, I've mentioned Lucis Trust, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org, where you can find a lot of complimentary material about all things metaphysical, meditation, the seven rays. And now I want to get into something that I shared um, for many years uh, in the 80s and, and 90s about esoteric astrology. And I've never read from that particular uh, feature story. So that will happen toward the end. And part of the reason I, I want to share that we're starting a new year. We're all bidding goodbye to 2020. We had no idea uh, about 13 months ago that what would happen in China would spread across the planet, but we're all dealing with this to the best of our abilities. So many of us have lost loved ones and who or who are ill now, and we're all trying to protect ourselves and do the best for our families and our communities, for our nations and around the world. So. Uh, in the last podcast, um, I used the term soul awakening, and I want to keep using that because I do feel we're being tested, um, humanity as a species. And in many ways, of course, we have all these other issues that have been going on with climate change and um, the international struggles that have been going on politically and culturally um, for decades, as long as we can remember. But the term soul awakening I never really used before, and I just think it's appropriate now to use that. So a couple of things up front about what we have complimentary on the website. I've been doing that recently. And as I've shared, my instinct when I was publishing Welcome to Planet Earth, and I've done all of this astrology since, as many of you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, since I began all this in 1972 and 1973 in New York City, that's where I I came into all of this uh, amazing knowledge, great teachers, um, different books that I studied to eventually create my own classes, which are on the website, uh, the School of Planetary Studies, and so many other kinds of things. So again, up front here, before we get into the recent horoscopes and charts that have been really important and the ones that are coming up, because that's the focus here to give you a kind of introduction and also to review, um, we have... My daughter has worked really hard in the last year. We have created the Astrology Cosmic Calendar, which you can have free one day at a time, which is the cosmic calendar that used to be in Welcome to Planet Earth as the centerpiece um, in the 1980s and 1990s. And when the magazine ended its run in 2020, we've still kept this going. So again, if, if somebody had told me 40 years ago, because we're almost at our 40th anniversary, that you're going to be doing this newspaper and magazine, which we did do, but that the cosmic calendar would survive that and be extended through an online mode. Because back in the 90s, we only began at that point email around 1995. And it's remarkable how we take all this for granted. And the thought of doing podcasts or something like that uh, never occurred to me. And now it's giving me an opportunity to go back to a lot of the major stories and major charts that happened in the 80s and 90s that are still appropriate for now. So many of these podcasts I've been doing since May of 2019, you'll see if you go back in time where I'm reading from my own stories. And in a couple of cases, I read 
from Eleanor Bach, the great astrologer who was my main uh, female teacher in person in Lower Manhattan back in 1973. And she, as I've shared before, created the first asteroid ephemeris so that we could start using Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. And that was an extraordinary achievement. And I was fortunate enough to learn directly from her. I often refer to my main male teacher, uh, Dane Rudyard, who I didn't learn from in person, although I did eventually meet him. And he was born in 1895, lived 90 years, and eventually I did get to meet him toward the end of his life when he was living in Palo Alto. But it's from him that I studied so many of his books. As I've shared before, I recommend to all of you, wh whoever your teachers are in astrology, that you read from some of the master teachers, whether it's Dane Rudyard, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones, Eleanor Bach, Evangeline Adams, Alan Leo, I'm just naming some of them um, from the past who I learned from. And of course, all the modern astrologers, it's always helpful to know a little bit about their sun sign or their charts. And it turned out that um, part of the reason I read all of Dane Rudyard's books and he became a great mentor was that while he was born with the sun in Aries and I'm born with the sun in Pisces, his Mercury position in Pisces turns out to be the same position I have. So when I started reading his books, it was almost as if I could hear his thoughts every time I was reading. And I didn't know that until I looked at his chart and said, oh my gosh, um, I, my Mercury is exactly his Mercury and vice versa. And so that led me further to read pretty much everything he ever wrote and being his, his student. And then in the classes, which are on now on the website, the School of Planetary Studies, I started that back in 1985 with a group of students. And that was on, if you can believe it, tape cassettes. Then my daughter altered that so that they'd be CDs and now they're MP3 files. And so that we have a special on that and you can go to uh, www.greaperenterprises.com and see the School of Planetary Studies and if it's time for you to start learning that in your spare time, we have the special going on. So um, take a look at that. In the meantime, we also have complimentary sections, global hotspots on the website, which are the full moon, the new moon. I put a world map there so you can see this kind of astrocartography level of localities of where major planetary lines of sun, moon, the asteroids, Chiron, the main planets, have their rising setting above and below points. These global hotspot articles on the new moons, the full moons and eclipses. So they come up every two weeks. Again, it's complimentary. And there's also a chart for the new moon, full moon or eclipse for Washington DC in mundane or uh, world astrology, which is one of my primary focuses aside from doing my own consultations, which I've been doing for 47 years. Um, in mundane or world astrology, um, doing full moons, new moons, eclipses, equinoxes, solstices, and major planetary alignments. Generally, you want to do that for the capital of the country that you're living in. But of course, you can also do it for where you live yourself to see how it directly influences you, whether you're in a small town or any city in America, around the world. You can, you can do it for the capital city or strategic capitals like London, Paris, uh, Tokyo, whatever the different places around the world, because some of these places are vortexes of incredible energy beyond the nation itself that serve as um, input valves or sort of output valves for, for divine energies and spiritual forces at these full moons and new moons. At any rate, um, so, so I've mentioned now um, the classes, the School of Planetary Studies, if you want to learn astrology, it's not just Mark Lerner 
and my views, it's learning from Dane Rudyard, Evangeline Adams, Eleanor Bach, Alan Leo, all of these great teachers uh, from the past, Charles Carter of Great Britain, so many others are all uh, woven together, including people like Grant Louie. I'll mention him again in a little while, who wrote Astrology for the Millions and Heaven Knows What. And one of the reports that we have in our astrology report area, that's in the astrology shop on the website, we've been putting these out for many years. It's through Matrix Software uh, from Michael Erlewine. I've mentioned him in the last couple of podcasts, and uh, he's one of the great um, software astrology creators for the last 40 plus years. And way back in the, in the 80s, in particular in the 90s, um, I was a beta tester of a lot of these uh, programs, and it was fairly remarkable because these programs were on cassette tape with a tape recorder originally. And I remember the most advanced one at one point, this is in the very beginning when, when computers were beginning to come out and astrology had never been on software. Everything had to be done by hand to create a chart, a natal chart or your transits or progressions, the different cycles it was very tedious work. And we worked with, and I still have these different books, an actual ephemeris, the book that has the day-to-day -day solar, lunar and planetary alignments and their exact times. And you had to work with logarithms with what was called the table of houses and, and an atlas to be able to fine tune an exact birth chart. And very often, uh, you, well, you had to do a whole lot of advanced study to make sure you didn't make any mistakes, that the sun was in the right degree of the zodiac in the right house. Same thing with the moon and all the different planets. This was very time consuming. Now with software and the work of people like Michael Erlewine and so many others after him, we have all these great software programs and we're able to print out charts or cre create charts to send by attachments as well as these reports. And one of the reports um, from Matrix Software, and not that many people have been ordering it, and that's why I wanna mention it, is Heaven Knows What. And Heaven Knows What is one of the reports. Uh, I think we have 15 different reports. They're part of the astrology shop. We have a special going on this week, um, the, the first week of January, because um, aside from my uh, doing these podcasts and directing you to the website and sharing the different charts that I'll be sharing today and different information. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be on Coast to Coast Radio. Um, that's happened for me on that wonderful radio program uh, since 2004. And maybe this is the 27th or 28th time I've been on there. This will be happening this Thursday evening, 10 p.m. to midnight. Um, Pacific time to be on coast to coast AM radio. So many of you probably know about that. You can check out their website. Um, and if you do, uh, this podcast being done January 4th, 2021, we're going to be sending it out. Uh, so it'll be available uh, tomorrow, uh, which for us would be Tuesday, January 5th. And I don't know, some of you may not be able to listen to um, me on coast to coast, which will be live uh, from 10 p.m. to midnight this Thursday, January 7th. But there is a Coast to Coast Insider program, which is not that expensive. And if you sign up for that, I think it's like six or $7 a month, you get podcasts of all their different um, people who are on the show. And you could also then access, if you decide to join that, and I'm, I don't work for them, uh, I'm just fortunate that every so often they'll have me on there. And most of the time I'm talking about world uh, astrology or mundane astrology, the chart of nations and world leaders and eclipses and 
new moons and full moons. And that's that will be the primary thing that I will do this time as well. But then you have access to what I've shared in the past, older time periods uh, when I've been on five years ago, two years ago, uh, 15 years ago, and so on. So that's another thing to consider. Now, um, I was mentioning my daughter created uh, as well the Astrology Cosmic Calendar, which is the cosmic calendar that was in the magazine, newspaper magazine, Welcome Planet Earth. And now it's more standalone, and it's been on our website at Great Bear Enterprises and the previous website, which was called Earth Aquarius News. However, we now have an app, and you can join for free one day at a time. So if you have iOS or Android, you would go in and type in astrology, one word, cosmic, second word, calendar, third word, starting with a K, and you can download that for your iOS phone or your Android for free. That's one day at a time. However, the great thing is if you subscribe, which is not very expensive for a year or six months or a month, and you can see what the different prices are, then you have the opportunity to go forward in the calendar three days uh, from today, a week from today, two weeks from today. We're often three to four weeks into the future. So it's almost always at least two weeks into the future and often beyond. That gives you an advantage to look at everything I'm sharing in the cosmic calendar, and that's the ongoing cycles new moons, full moons, lunar alignments every day, squares, uh, trines, sextiles, oppositions of the moon, different major alignments that are happening today. For instance, Mercury and Pluto are together in the sky. Um, we're going to be coming up, I'll, I'll share a little bit more about this. Uh, on January 11th, we're going to have a Mercury-Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius. We've already had Jupiter and Saturn make their big conjunction. Um, back on December 21, and I also shared on November 2nd, we had the heliocentric version of Jupiter and Saturn coming together in Aquarius. So there were actually two of these, one from a heliocentric perspective, uh, the day before the election, and then we just had the geocentric, or the one that most astrologers have been talking about, which was the same day as, as the winter solstice on December 21 that just passed. We had Jupiter and Saturn merged together at the beginning of Aquarius. And as I've shared in the last podcast and several others, I first wrote about this 22 years ago in uh, a cover story, The Dawning of the Age of Aquarius Takes 90 Plus Years. And I read from that story, and I had the chart for Jupiter conjunct Saturn 20 plus years ago in the magazine about December 21, 2020. And now we're actually having it. So it's really fascinating to look back at what was put out in Welcome Planet Earth. And in this case, the cosmic calendar, as I've shared, is a remarkable device in general. And I'm not touting it because, like, I'm the creator of it. What I'm doing is user-friendly combinations in the cosmic calendar of what's happening in every day, every day in the sky, independent of your personal alignments, your own transits, your own progressions. What the cosmic calendar does is look at what's happening in the sky that affects everyone. And if you think that it's unimportant, then you're missing an enormous part of how astrology works. And as I've tried to explain, each one of us, every person who's ever lived, living now, or will ever live, is a walking cosmic calendar because our charts are the frozen moments in time at a certain place, at a certain time, month, day, and year, at a certain time, in a certain place, the astrology patterns, whatever you put in that chart, sun, moon, eight main planets, four main asteroids, Chiron, the fateful uh, destiny-oriented lunar nodes, in case you want to add other planets that we've discovered beyond Pluto, like Eris, Sedna, 
There's other ones, Haumea, Maki Maki, Varuna, the list goes on. And there are other asteroids and Chiron-like bodies or centaur bodies. So depending on the astrologer, depending on the kind of chart you get, there's all this, all these different celestial bodies and alignments and signs of the zodiac that make up your birth chart. But that was the cosmic calendar at that moment of time. So as we interact with one another, whether it's marriages, birth of children, starting a job, whatever it may be, which are all part of what we might call horary astrology, which is one of the more ancient ones going back in time to these, meaning the astrology of the hour. So if we forget about actually looking at the sky cycles and just focus on my chart, whatever your personal chart is, and your own transits, which are where the celestial bodies are on any given day, and comparing them to your chart to understand what's happening for you and your relationships and your life and your goals. And then if you're fortunate enough, as I've shared, so many of these podcasts, I'm getting into what are called secondary progressions. And secondary progressions are a deeper level of cycles because they go back to the time period right after you were born, the first several weeks, the first couple of months after your birth, using the system called secondary progressions, where each day after birth is a, a year of life. There are other progressions, as I've shared. There's solar arc progressions, there's tertiary progressions, there's minor progressions. There are many different ways to go into depth, going back to the original time of your birth and looking at some of the slower moving cycles that refer more to your psychological, emotional, and spiritual unfoldment as a human being. And I believe each one of us are souls, spirits, inhabiting uh, physical bodies and what we might call etheric or energy bodies or astral emotional bodies or mental bodies and so on and so forth. That's what esoteric astrology and some of those teachings from Lucis Trust and Lucis Publishing and Alice A. Bailey and her teacher, the Tibetan Master DK, they formulate through all those books and teachings. Again, if you if you do go to their website, lucistrust.org, they have a lot of complimentary material as well and things you can get in the mail like bookmarks and different kind of flyers and so on about the three spiritual festivals, which are when we have the full moon um, in Aries coming up in the spring, and then in Taurus, and then in Gemini. So there's a lot of information, and every year we have these incredible opportunities, particularly those first three full moons of every spring in the Northern Hemisphere are considered extra powerful, and you can get more complimentary information on all that. So I'm throwing a lot at you right here up front, but at any rate, the Cosmic Calendar, download it for free, and then decide if you want to get a subscription. You will find it incredibly useful if you give it a chance, because it will get you back into the rhythm of saying, okay, particularly after the pandemic, and it's still going on, and we don't know what other kinds of things that, that nature is going to throw at us in the near future, because there are a lot more warnings with climate change and the environment and the different kinds of things with pollution and um, drilling and all these th different things that have been happening and elimination of rainforests all around the planet by encroaching uh, on animal habitats and uh, a lot of the, the pandemics happen through one way or another from animals or birds uh, and and we're, we're destroying the planet in so many different ways even if part of this is coming through the sun it's coming through changes of our whole solar system it comes through earthquakes and volcanoes and all kinds of other things uh, aside from man-made man or human-made pollution and different things that we're doing, whether to land and to animal and bird habitats and so on. So we're part of the problem here to an enormous degree. And of course, that's why 
these different issues have been happening around the planet about global warming and what we can do uh, individually in our own lives and in our communities in order to save the environment and change things around for the better. But in the meantime, the cosmic calendar has been around a long time and I just think everybody should have an opportunity to look into it. And of course, now that my daughter has worked really hard to create it as an app, now everybody can have it for free, at least one day at a time. And for really a small amount, you can then look into the future and it will help you make plans and so on. We have information every day about void moons and a lot of people don't always focus on that traditional energy of how the moon will every couple of days end its main alignments until it goes into the next sign and we have different voids. And sometimes the voids are negative and difficult if the moon is squaring something or imposing something when it starts the void. Other times there may be a, a more positive void experience if the moon is making a trine or a sextile or some kind of fortuitous relationship. And some of these void moons are only a few minutes, some are a few hours, some are over a day. So you've got void moons that are happening at certain points of time every, every couple of days. And uh, the moon moves the fastest in terms of all the celestial bodies and makes more alignments than any other planet. Then you have Mercury making a lot of alignments because it's the fastest moving planet when it is going relatively quickly. And all kinds of alignments, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, the sun, all these different combinations. Also in the cosmic calendar, I'm including things like quintiles, one fifth of the zodiac or 72 degree alignments. I include other alignments, what are called the semi-square and a sesquiquadrate. Those are 45 degree and 135 degree aspects. Also the quincunx or in conjunct of 150 degrees, plus the four main asteroids, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, and Chiron. So the whole mix of everything in the cosmic calendar goes beyond a lot of uh, books um, that you could get from the different places like Llewellyn and other services, which are really great. And I use them as well, but then I add on in a more meticulous fashion because of my studies and the great teachers I've had, the four main asteroids are absolutely crucial. And I've shared this before. We have a great report called Four Asteroids and Chiron. Uh, a lot of people have ordered them, but some people haven't. And it allows you to understand in your natal chart more about the mythological archetypes of the four main asteroids and Chiron, as well as the houses they're in and the main alignment. So that's another report in our report section. Uh, we also have this special we've been doing called three and one get ready for 2021 now that 2021 has happened that combines uh, two uh, reports designed through matrix software by Stephen Forrest one of the great astrologers of our time and he designed both something called the sky within natal report as well as skylog which is on transits and progressions they're a great combination so I decided, hey, what about for 2021, as we're all getting out of 2020, how about giving a special to everybody where we put those two reports, the Sky Within NATO and the Skylog for a year, which again is transits progressions with essay-like um, areas. So there's a lot of interpretation based on your birth chart, month, day, and year, your, your exact time um, and your place of birth and, and a numerology report, which is called an advanced personal numerology report based on your full name at birth and your month, day, and year of birth. It's a great combination. There's a discount on it. So again, that's on our website at greatbearenterprise.com in the astrology report area. So you can see we've lowered the price and this week we're, we have a 30% uh, discount that's going for about a week. And for people, if you're listening and 
you're on coast to coast, um, or if you're going to join coast to coast, then you can see some of that there. So that's a bit, I think that's all I want to share for the moment about what's up front. We have a lot of services, and I appreciate all of your support. Um, this is something I never liked doing with the newspaper magazine in the 80s and 90s. However, advertising, marketing, publicity had to be done then, and I did work that out in the newspaper magazine with different bookstores and software uh, uh, programs and all the great astrologers who were part of writing all these wonderful articles for Welcome to Planet Earth, they would also have their um, advertising in those uh, newspaper versions we did in, in the magazines. But nevertheless, um, my goal in everything that I've done for almost, almost 50 years now, astrology is educational. My goal in personal consultation work, and again, you can see my consultations, there's five different kinds. We added one, um, where I do a recording for people, um, it's just under $100. Otherwise, there's four other, you'll see uh, on our website in the Astrology Shop, it's in an area called Telephone Consultations. You can browse through that in case you want more of a direct um, contact with me, and we do, uh, we do consultation work by telephone with most of the orders, and then there's one where I can do it on my own uh, and record it and then send it to your uh, text phone line and so on. So. There's all that. Now, what, what, where we're going with all of this, and um, the reason I'm calling this a soul awakening astrology of 2021 and beyond, again, this is part one. I've just shared so many different charts and horoscopes regarding the election, what's been happening in the United States, but also 13 podcasts about the coronavirus and astrology, where I included the chart for China, for instance, October 1, 1949, Nations, just like people, because I've studied reincarnation longer than I've even studied astrology, nations reincarnate every so often. A new republic is formed, or there's a revolution somewhere, and the old republic or the old nation-state dies. For instance, one of the things that we'll be looking into for 2021 is Russia. So you have a whole history going back hundreds of years of what was happening in Russia under czars and different uh, leaders. And then the Soviet Union comes into being in November of, of 1917, one year before World, World War I ended. So there's a, there was a particular chart for the creation of the Soviet Union. Then we all know, if you're back at that time, the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. Uh, Gorbachev became pres, um, the leader, um, premier, or, um, um, president of the Soviet Union in 1985. Um, I remember very distinctly that whole time period, and we did a cover story on that. He's a sun sign Pisces, born within a day of my own birth, so that was kind of interesting. And then comparing him with Ronald Reagan, as well as with Pope John Paul uh, II, and that whole triangle of the American leader, the Soviet leader, and the Pope at that time, was very, very big and influential for all the 1980s solidarity movement in, in Poland and eventually leading to the dissolution of the Soviet Union um, and, and the rebirth of Russia as a nation. And that happened really on December 25, 1991. And they're having a, a Saturn return. That's why I'm bringing them up. So I'm gonna share some of that, um, hopefully on Coast to Coast, and I will share more about that. So it's gonna happen in a couple of weeks. Saturn, uh, the world has been focused on Jupiter and Saturn. They're coming together, the two largest planets 
This is part of maybe the beginning of, of the birthing of the age of Aquarius, all these different ideas. Of course, people have been looking at um, Jupiter and Saturn together around the December 21 time that just happened when they were exactly together at the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. And they hadn't actually come together in Aquarius. Um, the, the previous time was, I think it was uh, 1604, 1605. Hopefully, uh, actually, I don't know if that's the exact date at this point, but I did research it recently. I put it into a, um, the previous podcast, um, so it's in there somewhere. But Jupiter and Saturn hadn't actually come together um, for hundreds of years. And so this is a unique situation. They come together every 20 years, and we've known about the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions, and now the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that just happened in Aquarius is part of the shift and change into air signs. We've had Jupiter and Saturn in Earth signs from 1841-1842, except for the anomalous time period in 1980 and 81, where there were three Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in Libra. But back in 2000 was the last Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in May in Taurus, and now we have them in Aquarius. But for instance, 20 years from now, Jupiter and Saturn will merge in Libra. Then 20 years after that, they will merge in Gemini, and then it will be actually in 2080, 60 years from now, that Jupiter and Saturn will once again be in Aquarius. So hundreds of years ago, they were in Aquarius, but it hasn't happened for a long time. And it is part of this dawning of the new age, but it isn't necessarily just because they come together and they're, they're the two largest planets. It's suddenly, you know, we, we turn on a light switch and we're in the age of Aquarius. And actually due to what's called precession of the equinox, the, the astronomy of the earth is, is like a top and, and our, um, our, our North Pole is pointing to different stars, for instance, Polaris now, but in the year 15,000, our North Star will be Vega. Um, and there are different, different polar stars that the Earth is pointing to. As Dane Rudyard said in, in originally in his book, um, The Astrology of Personality, back in 1936, it's as if Earth has different teachers. And due to the wobble of the Earth, which causes precession of the equinox, where we go through 2,160-year ages, of course, We've been in a Piscean age and nobody knows the exact day that the Aquarian age will begin, particularly according to the Tibetan master DK, who's the teacher of Alice A. Bailey and the Lucis Trust, Lucis Publishing, Arcane School, World Goodwill Group. Um, it takes hundreds of years really for one age to transition to another. And that's why back 20 plus years ago, I did the cover story, um, the, the Aquarian age takes 90 plus years. And on that cover, I shared different celestial bodies going into Aquarius. For instance, in a couple years after Pluto comes back to the United States natal Pluto, which is something I've shared before, it's a big cycle in 2022, three times. Um, the United States birth chart from July 4th of 1776, we have Pluto in our second house, which relates to money and financial um, assets and things like that. Pluto is at 27 plus degrees of, of uh, Capricorn. And so for the first time ever, because Pluto has a cycle of 247 years, when we hit 2022, we're going to have a Pluto return. And I've shared about this because we've recently had, in the last four years, through Donald Trump and other people in the administration, a kind of birthing of the plutocracy, government by the super wealthy. And that often creates a lot of havoc because these people are making a lot of money and they don't always see things as 
shall we say, most um, Americans are experiencing things. So there's been a dichotomy there, and you can look at it however you want. I have my own views, which I've shared about uh, President Trump and the administration and the Justice Department and other kinds of things. You can look back at some of those um, those podcasts. But nevertheless, um, we're in this enormously significant cycle of, of where things are going in the future. So that gives you a little bit of a, a background of some of the things of, of where, we're been, where we've been. But um, Russia will have a Saturn return. The, that's what I've been sharing for the last few minutes here, that um, the former Soviet Union, which has been Russia again since uh, December 25, 1991 on Christmas, Saturn is coming back. So they're going through an identity crisis where when we have it as individuals at age 28, 29, 30, and again at 58 to 60, and if we live another 28 or 29 years, then we have a third Saturn return. When a country has it, again, it's also an identity crisis. So the country is saying, who am I? Where am I going? What does my life mean as a nation? We know, of course, Vladimir Putin still there as an authoritarian figure, and he's been there for a long time. Um, I'll probably share a little bit about his chart, not now, but as we go forward with these podcasts, I will definitely, I've shared about his chart before. We have his birthday, month and year and all of that. So, and his chart connects very powerfully to America's birth chart from July 4th, 1776, as well as to Donald Trump's chart and uh, Joe Biden and Barack Obama and so on. So that's going to be something that we'll, we'll pick up the pace on that in a couple of weeks during a future podcast. We'll focus and zero in on Russia's chart and its Saturn return. And just to round that out, um, Iran, which has an, has an ancient empire going back to Persia thousands of years ago, but modern Iran or what we might call, and again, with these different countries, there are different charts that have um, have been worked with by one of the persons is Nick Campion um, of England, and he put together an amazing uh, hardcover book a number of years ago, which has a lot of these world horoscopes or horoscopes of nations, and it give you different charts for when a country was uh, liberated, uh, at what happened, for instance, with India and Pakistan in 1947 from the British Commonwealth, and those countries were separated, and then each one had their own republic charts, which happened after 1947. So you have to keep up with some of these things. Nevertheless, um, Iran, in, uh, which I focused on a lot in Welcome to Planet Earth, um, even though that, that episode or that whole situation happened in 1979, uh, revolutionary Iran came into being with the Ayatollah um, coming from, from France, with the Shah of Iran coming to the United States um, for medical treatment for cancer, and then the whole revolution occurred in Iran. The reason I'm bringing that up, and we will be sharing more about that in 2021, we already have inklings again right now. Um, literally in the last 24, 48 hours, one of our major aircraft carriers was, was supposed to come back from the Persian Gulf uh, by the temporary secretary of defense. And then supposedly the president of the United States ordered the defense secretary to send the aircraft carrier back. Now, this is one year from the murder or assassination of Qasim Soleimani, uh, a major general of their government. And that almost led to a hot war before the whole pandemic started in January of 2020. Now, one year later, as uh, Donald Trump is about to leave office because of his losing to Joe Biden, and we've of course, we've had 
all these shenanigans and all these different things that are still ongoing. Tomorrow is the day of the Georgia runoffs with the two senators there. That could determine uh, whether the Republicans or Democrats control the Senate. Then the day after, which is on Wednesday of this week, January 6th, is the final processing of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to be the next president and vice president through the Congress, where Mike Pence is supposed to do the ceremonial kind of counting of, of, of the electoral votes from December 14th, which ironically or synchronistically happened on the day of a total solar eclipse on December 14th, which was very powerful and which I shared before. We can now understand part of the reason uh, why uh, President Trump has been all over the place, uh, not wanting to accept losing because uh, on that particular day, December, 4th, uh, December 14th, that total solar eclipse in Sagittarius was exactly opposite the total lunar eclipse that he was born under on June 14 of 1946. So you can go back into these different podcasts, and, and I did a couple of podcasts on the fact that we almost went to war with Iran and that we killed their major general, and that was a, a year ago right now. And so um, there are echoes of that, and not just echoes, but alarming signals that something could happen there. Both uh, the people in Iran and their government is sort of, they're all fired up and anything could happen over the next uh, 16 days before President Trump leaves the White House and we have a new president, vice president. Uh, the reason I bring this up is their revolution began in February of 1979, and it's now 41 years, okay? Um, 41 plus years, and so therefore the chart for revolutionary Iran I will uh, present again with these podcasts in the near future. We're coming up on the one of the anniversaries next month of the revolution of creating uh, the revolutionary Islamic um, nation of Iran under the Ayatollahs, and we're now halfway through a Uranian cycle of 84 years, and we're a quarter of a Neptune cycle of 164 years since that revolution. So what this corresponds to is each of us in astrology, we go through what is called a midlife crisis or power surge. That generally happens for us as individuals between ages 40 and 42, approximately. Sometimes it'll start around 39, we'll go to age 42. And that's composed again, because Uranus has an 84 year cycle, all of us will have halfway of Uranus where it's opposing its own position. And that often creates havoc and uh, unpredictable kinds of things and surprises and shockwaves. It doesn't have to, it can be illuminating and incredible, but often astrologers refer to that time period as the midlife crisis. But I call it a midlife crisis or power surge because we can utilize Uranus in its opposition to its own position, which then does happen when we're age 41, 42. And then we also have Neptune, which has a longer cycle, twice as long as Uranus. It has 164 years. And so one quarter of that cycle is approximately 41 years. So everyone very close to age 41 has to do with Neptune squaring their own Neptune. And since Neptune can be spiritually very strong, it can have a lot of influence for love and idealism and devotion and psychic sensitivity and creative vision and imagination and so many other things. But it also has a shadow side like every planet does, which is nebulosity and confusion and chaos. So if, if a person doesn't prepare for their so-called midlife crisis or power surge, 
late 30s, early 40s, then they're missing the boat. And that's why doing transits and progressions, I might add, of course, with a professional astrologer or doing it yourself, if you really know what you're doing, then you get into all these different levels of what's happening. Well, for nations, it's the same kind of thing. So it turns out not only in the near future do we have Russia, modern Russia, going through a Saturn return where they, their country is a dictator over in Iran, which is such a big area having to do with its rivalry with Saudi Arabia, its rivalry with Israel, connections to um, Bashar al-Assad and Syria and the country of Lebanon, which is going through so many crises. So there are charts for all these countries, but um, Iran in particular is going through a midlife crisis or power surge, and that's what I wanted to bring up there. So when you hear different news stories behind all of that, there's a very profound astrology, and we'll be focusing on that, and hopefully I'll be able to share all of that on, uh, some of that on Coast to Coast. Coast to Coast, because of advertising other things, even though I'm on for two hours this Thursday, January 7th, uh, Pacific time in the evening, um, you don't get a lot of time there. So I've got to be really focused on, based on George Norrie, who's the great host there. He will ask me certain questions. We'll go back over things. Then there'll be some time breaks and then uh, other segments to talk about how mundane or earth astrology works as well as uh, personal astrology and weave them all together. And then there, during a second hour, there'll be more of that. Okay, so I've just shared a mouthful of so many different things. Another reminder, I think it was last time, I'm pretty sure it was last time, I read about my discovery. Uh, this is just as a reminder so that if you do go to Podcast 69, the previous one, I read from one of my uh, magazines of a discovery I made about Jupiter's 83-year cycle. So if you go back after this one and you go back, hey, I'm going to go to the previous one, you'll hear me read from that story. And that's important because, not to go over the whole thing, but when I discovered it uh, back in the 1990s, it turned out that um, usually Jupiter is considered to have a 12-year cycle. So if you multiply 12 times 7, you get 84 years. So when Uranus would return for a person or business or a nation um, every 84 years, you would think, okay, well, Jupiter is also going to return for the seventh time because Jupiter has supposedly a 12-year cycle. But what happened was, as I realized, Jupiter's cycle is really 11.86 years. It's not exactly 12. So it turns out that exactly every 83 years, literally day by day, often including things like station, stations and retrograde. So when Jupiter would slow down, make a station from the Earth's point of view, move in retrograde, then slow down again, make another station, go direct. Every 83 years, day by day, the, the sequences of what's happening are the same. Jupiter's in the same position, exactly 83 years apart. So that led me the last time to start, I not only read, you, read the story at the end of the podcast, about how I discovered it and compared certain time periods. But then I brought it up to recently. So literally um, the last time, like last year, 2020, even though it just ended a few days ago, is linked to 1937. So I did certain research there and there's still a lot more to be done. So some of the events of 1937, which did happen two years before World War II, and that's the important thing here, 1937 and 2020 are 83 years apart. Therefore, every single day of 1937 and 2020, Jupiter is basically in lockstep to where it was in 1937. That means this year, 1938, 
if you add it 83 years to 1938, which was the year before World War II started, and remember in 1937 and 38, there were already major events happening in the world through authoritarian dictators, Hitler, Mussolini, Mao. Um, the, the Japanese had already started a war um, against China in those years before the sneak attack against Pearl Harbor, December 7th of 41, which launched us to declare war against Japan and then uh, declare war against Germany and get involved with World War II. We have these years, 1937, um, and I referred that was when the Hindenburg in May uh, in New Jersey blew up. And that was one of the indications, oh, something big is about to happen. We didn't know that that was going to be one of the events that would sort of be a major on U.S. soil uh, because that's where it happened. It was a shocking kind of thing. Now, it didn't create a whole lot of deaths. There were like 30 some odd people who died. But the explosion uh, was something that was carried live on radio and it made an enormous impact on the United States. That was in May of 1937. And there was a lot of research and uh, work being done on polio. And of course, the polio vaccines, so much of the work of finding these vaccines right now for coronavirus and the COVID um, and this Operation Warp Speed. And now we've got three different vaccines suddenly coming out and we've got delays in the United States. And I've shared a lot about the havoc in this country because we're 50 states with 50 different uh, governors and mayors and different things. And with the two oceans, the Atlantic and the Pacific, and so different than some of these smaller countries like areas of Singapore or uh, South Korea or Taiwan, not that they're perfect either, but a lot of these countries, including um, communist China, because they, they're so authoritarian, they've been able to handle these things much better. And we are just like falling apart. And it's, it's partly because we have no national policy and that's at the fault of the Trump administration across the board, whether people want to accept it or not. And I've, I've done the charts for the uh, coronavirus and astrology. You can look back at those podcasts, which included the chart for China, the chart for the World Health Organization, um, the CDC, and different people and the situations that happen. And it's just a shame. It's just a horrifying shame because so many people have died in the United States and now who are ill, hospitals on overload, food banks, people losing um, their jobs, their money, so many different crises all happening because we've really had no national policy. You have to have a national policy and 50 states have to really coordinate and know what they're doing and, and link between the federal government and the state governments and we haven't had that going on. So we have this catastrophe or disaster. And I've shared before, the words catastrophe really mean to go against the stars because the, 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 the name for star in the ancient times is astro. So when you when anybody says, oh, it's a catastrophe or it's a disaster, meaning to go against the stars. And we use those words, we throw them around and say, oh, it's just a catastrophe what so-and-so did, or it's a catastrophe or a disaster of what's going on with the Environmental Protection Agency or what's happening with the CDC or the rollout of the vaccine or what the president of the United States did or the vice president or the attorney general or a series of actions or shenanigans that are going on. And of course, these words used to be very significant when we had a volcano or an earthquake or there was a meteor shower or some kind of a, a war began. That would have been or were disasters. And again, there are often stars and constellations and major planetary alignments that are at work 
which is why the words disaster and catastrophe have even been used. So anyway, in the 83-year cycle, to finish that part of it, um, you can go back and li listen to what I said. In 1938, though, that's, that's where we're at now. So 2021 is 83 years, one exact Jupiter cycle, day by day, pretty much. Uh, sometimes there's a day or two lag of a couple of things, but the stations of Jupiter, when it stations to go um, in reverse, and then a couple of months later, it stations to go direct, they're falling on the same days or almost exactly the same days of what happened in 1938. So again, in 37, 38, there's a lot of work being done with trying to get a polio uh, vaccine and with uh, the, the deaths from polio had been going on for a number of decades. In fact, the president of the United States, Franklin Roosevelt, was stricken with and I did share with that. And the country pretty much didn't know all the details because they, TV was had not yet developed and um, with photography, they were very careful. They didn't want to show the president having this. And he didn't get it until I think he was 39 years old. I think it was 1921. He was born in 1882. And so he had it. Um, and then when he was governor of, of New York before he defeated Herbert Hoover. So he was afflicted with this as part of the reason why he would go down to Warm Springs for those, uh, um, those baths and those waters and being kind of a vacation area for him. And that's where he died from a supposedly a cerebral hemorrhage, although there are question marks, but that was back in April of 1945. So I've shared about some of those things and I'll actually share more about it because it's, it's a pretty fascinating part of history. So at any rate, one of the things that happened in 1938 that we do want to be sort of tuned into is the Munich uh, uh, meetings of Neville Chamberlain with Hitler that led to more of Hitler beginning his march to gobble up places like the Sudetenland and parts of Czechoslovakia. Now it's called the Czech Republic. It's been split up uh, from, from what it used to be Czechoslovakia. So there's a Slovakia, there's a Czech Republic. But back in 1938, in order to placate Hitler, this was not done by, um, this, this was done by Neville Chamberlain before we had Winston Churchill uh, in 1940 to take over the prime ministership. And you can still go on Google. It's pretty amazing to hear Neville Chamberlain come back on a plane from Munich, waving a piece of paper. And, and this is this famous piece in our time that he had Adolf Hitler's signature. And that happened in September of 1938. So that was, again, we didn't know that less than a year later on September 1, 1939, and that's the reason I mentioned this again, 1939, if you add 83 years, you get 2022. So that means next year, 2022, every single day, more or less, Jupiter is retracing its steps in the zodiac. Jupiter is the biggest planet. It can represent good fortune, providence, benevolence, power of positive thinking, all, all kinds of good things. But like any other planet, it can, as we've seen, I think, with the president of the United States, Donald Trump, who's born when Jupiter is not moving and stationary, you can have big positive things and big negative things. Um, everything being huge or this being the largest crowd or the largest amount of this or that, and one can exaggerate. Therefore, one of the shadow things about Jupiter, we all have to be careful about in our own charts, is not overdoing a good thing or not um, so focusing on ourselves in a prideful way that we lose sight of compassion and empathy and that we're all in this together as we often hear now on different levels because the pandemic and needing to care for one another more so than ever before. I mean, we should always be doing that through goodwill and kindness and acts of kindness. 
if we're if our hearts and minds are in the right place and we're looking at things from from a, a higher uh, destiny standpoint to want to improve the lives of of not just our fellow human beings but the earth as a whole and for the 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 animal plant vegetable mineral kingdoms that humanity should be a steward for so the other big thing that also happened as a reminder at the end um, it was october 30th uh, getting into halloween weekend of 1938 was orson wells and the mercury theater the famous war of the world's broadcast where they did actually say and again this was went out through the country periodically they would say this is a rebroadcast a kind of modern version of uh, the war of the worlds by hg wells but a lot of people didn't catch that part of it and that they were so vivid in the storyline of like Martians landing again, oddly enough, this was in New Jersey, just like a year and a half before the Hindenburg had exploded in New Jersey. So I don't know, there must be something, as I've shared before, every state has a chart for when it entered the Union for the United States, just like nations have charts and each of us have charts. And there are charts for marriages and charts for the start of business. And you can, you know, there's a part of astrology called election astrology. And again, I share about that in um, the more advanced area of the School of Planetary Studies. I share about horary astrology, the astrology of the hour, which is still a very big part of astrology. And electional astrology having nothing to do with elections, per se, politically, or electing good times to do things. And so when you work with astrology, sometimes in advanced level, years ago, I used to do marriage charts, people, I don't do that anymore. I'm not uh, part of the reason is when you do get married, then you have another chart. That means another Jupiter, another Saturn, another Venus, another Pluto, another Neptune, and all kinds of aspects. And while getting married can be an extraordinary event, it does add another chart. So as decades unfolded in my work, and I did do, when people ask me, oh, we really need you to do a marriage chart. Could you, could you do it? How much would it cost? What do we need to do? What do we need to provide? And it's a, it's a big deal to do two people's charts, transits, progressions, get information about where the two people are going to have a wedding, how many people are going to be there, is it going to be a church, where are you going to go on a honeymoon? People often just think, oh, an astrologer, hey, they can find a good time. How difficult could it be? It's challenging. It's very complicated. Now, I'm only sharing that as an example of something I did do and something that many astrologers have done and still continue to do if they are believers in, in marriage. Now, I believe very strongly that people um, in whatever relationship they do have, uh, when you first meet one another, that's extremely important. So if you meet somebody or in the near future, you meet somebody, always write down that day and time. So you can go to a professional astrologer or if you're doing your own work and look at that kind of thing. Even in our reports on the website, again, in astrology reports over in the astrology shop at Great Bear Enterprises, we have a simpaticos report, which is more of what we call composite charting of two people and making a third chart, kind of their relationship chart and analyzing that in a computerized report. If you order one of those, then it gets sent to you by attachment to email or traditional compatibility through something called friends and lovers. And that's one of the matrix software reports. And that's more of synastry or chart comparison. Each person's um, main planets that these reports don't include asteroids or Chiron, but they include sun, moon, the main planets. You know, where is somebody's planets? Where are they falling into your chart? What are the alignments are they, they making to your chart and vice versa? So we have those kind of reports and I'm just sharing this as examples of, of how all this works. But meanwhile, back to the storyline, 
um, of October 30th of 1938, this, this is one of the great crazy things that happened. Again, this was less than a year before World War II started. And so the symbolism or metaphor of Martians landing in America, we didn't know that a world war was going to start in 1939, but Orson Welles and his, his wonderful team of, Mer they, they were called the Mercury Theater, oddly enough. And so Orson Welles was a very young person at that point, and he went on to doing directing and incredible movies as well, and on TV and other things that he did in, the, in his life. But at that point, he actually had to go in front of Congress and they had to explain because the country was in an upheaval from the War of the Worlds broadcast. So that was the whole Halloween experience where, where unfortunately, even though they had been warned on the radio show um, that this is, a re this is a broadcast, it's a new rendition of it, people didn't hear that. They just turned the radio on and heard Martians are landing and so on. And people were fleeing and they thought Martians were landing and so on. So he had to testify before Congress. And I remember at one point, a number of years ago, when you could still go to a bookstore. In fact, this bookstore is closed. So many bookstores and big chains have closed down the creation of Amazon and things online. I remember uh, one of the great bookstores in this area where I live in Oregon, they had a whole setup of all of these cassettes and storyline, like a big package. I think it was like $100. The whole Mercury Theater, uh, War of the Worlds, Orson Welles broadcast of October 30th of 1938 and the ramifications and what happened as a national kind of whole crazy thing. Meanwhile, while he went to Congress and they had to go through this whole thing and what are you going to do in the future? Part of the reason this is important is, we, for instance, right now, I've shared a lot about Vesta or Pallas Athena having to do with safety and security and protecting the government. The asteroids are not just feminine archetypes that are just always positive. We have to look at them in different ways and they affect world, like our, our national birth chart for July 4th, 1776 or other charts and their transits and progressions. Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno and Vesta, but in particular Vesta has a lot to do with safety and security of us as individuals in our own charts. It has a lot to do with sisterhood bonds and fellowship gatherings and how we invest in time and energy or invest financially or insurance and also hidden organizations and things like the eternal flame and esoteric organizations of different kinds, some good, some bad, has a lot to do with Vesta. And Pallas Athena has much to do with knowledge and wisdom and justice, uh, seeing patterns, the immune system in human beings, uh, even regarding the defense department of how we protect the safety and security. So Pallas Athena, has a lot to do with how we protect ourselves, the human immune system, and for the government of our country and other countries, often the Defense Department, how we shield ourselves from whether it's hacking. Uh, of course, that's a big issue that has come up about whether it's Russian hacking or Chinese hacking relative to the United States or hackers in different countries or individual hackers, in, even in our own country, things that just happened recently with the whole solar wind situation uh, that organization Texas, and now we're finding going back many months of hackers that people like Secretary of State Pompeo and, and even the Attorney General of the United States who just left, uh, William Barr, saying it was the Russians started in the spring. They utilized a particular software company to get into the Department of Homeland Security, to get into uh, 
Commerce Department and other national organizations. And probably we will never know the full extent. We know a little bit about it and it's been reported about, but again, we can never trust that we get the whole picture, but we know it was a, um, a very, very difficult thing. And what I've been sharing in these podcasts, going all the way back, the first 17 podcasts were about the secondary progress chart for the United States of our son in moving from where it was in the sign cancer back in 1776 to Pisces in the middle of Pisces by secondary progression. And that Pallas Athena, which had been with the moon exactly in Aquarius, I've shared so much about this, when the country was born, and then when we discovered Pallas Athena, which was in 1802. So our national chart has Pallas Athena with the moon. Now we also know Quaor, one of these outer planets, a creator god from, from the Los Angeles area. That's also at the same area. Three celestial bodies in the U.S. chart at 27 degrees of Aquarius. But by secondary progression, and that's why I did 17 of these podcasts last year, particularly about the Mueller report and eventually impeachment, we were dealing with issues having to do with knowledge and wisdom and justice and fairness and protecting ourselves um, from e whether it be the president of the United States saying things or doing things relative to Russia or other countries and phone calls that certain people in our country, particularly in the more democratic party felt this is wrong, this is illegal, which led to things like the impeachment and so on. So, but the point was, is the astrology was telling the story for the US and it's still happening. The progress, secondary progress son of the United States, the secondary progress palace, Athena, and the natal and secondary progress positions of Sedna, this faraway planet, which has a lot to do with the icy cold depths of the ocean. It's based on an Inuit um, Eskimo mythology, but that planet, which I've studied a lot of and work with, and I do present that planet as well as Eris, both of them be way beyond Pluto, but Sedna was discovered back in November 2003, and it's currently in late Taurus, um, whereas Eris is in late Aries. But meanwhile, um, Sedna in the U.S. chart natally, and because it's so far away by progression, even after the 240, uh, we're now at, let's see, 244 days after July 4th, 1776 by progression, and in those days that where each day is equal to a year of life, in the U.S. progress chart using the system, Sedna is still right in the middle of Pisces where it was in the natal chart. So we've got three celestial bodies. Now they, they are moving away from exactitude, but they're still incredibly close. And it just turned out that when I started doing the, the podcast in May of 2019, I actually had looked at the USA progress chart a couple of years before when the 2016 election was happening. I knew that in a couple of years that there would be this Sun and Pallas Athena rendezvous, which had never happened before and which won't happen again for about 400 years. And then I added on the Sedna one is like, wow, this is like gigantic. And there are other things in the US progress chart. We've had Chiron and Mars opposing each other. We just recently had the moon uh, on top of our uh, Pluto. I've shared this in a previous podcast. Currently, we've got Venus and Saturn opposing each other in the U.S. secondary progress chart. And the moon, interestingly enough, has just gone into Aquarius at the same time that Jupiter and Saturn have made this historic conjunction, which, ha which hasn't happened in hundreds of years. 
in the progress chart of the United States, the moon is in the same spot, exactly where Jupiter and Saturn at the beginning of Aquarius, making what we call a T-square triangle of moon, Venus, and Saturn. So some of these patterns have been really exact on the, the night of the election and coming up on the inauguration. We're having actually on January 20th, 2021 in the USA progress chart, just so you know, um, the moon and Saturn for the United States, we have a particular chart which was rectified for the United States for July 4th, 1776, uh, based on the work of Barry Lyons, who worked with me in the beginning of Welcome to Planet Earth as a newsletter and then as a newspaper and so on. And in that particular chart that has Sagittarius rising uh, in the U.S. birth chart at the time of the Declaration of Independence, now we have a situation where when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris take the oath, and I've shared before, we'll, we'll talk about this again in a few minutes and in the next podcast, there's a void moon on January 20th. So when they take the oaths, um, there will still be a void moon. I've shared before, there have been so many other void moons in the last, um, there was one Franklin Roosevelt, his last inauguration. Void moons often at a presidential inauguration means something unexpected or out of the normal order will happen. It doesn't mean the president um, must pass away. That did happen for Franklin Roosevelt in his fourth inauguration back in uh, January of 1945. And Harry Truman took over just a couple months later. And then we had um, the JFK uh, inauguration. And of course, we know, unfortunately, he was assassinated November 22nd, 1963. I've shared before, I I did one of my most important stories called The Wound That Never Heals, America's turning, turning Point of the 20th Century. That's still in our Earth Aquarius News section, which is complimentary as well. And as a reminder, also about my discovery of the nuclear axis about atomic energy and astrology, uh, a whole series there. And so there's a special article. Again, these are complimentary. But then we also had the second inauguration of Richard Nixon that was when Watergate happened, so he had to resign from office. The second inauguration of Bill Clinton was another void moon. We know that that was the Monica Lewinsky event. He was impeached, and even though he, he wasn't taken out of office through the Senate, um, it affected greatly Al Gore, and then Al Gore lost 20 years ago in that 36-day cycle that was decided by the Supreme Court in a 5-4 to four decision of the Rehnquist Court, and of course now We've had all of these other changes in the Roberts Court 20 years later. Meanwhile, so uh, Al Gore, even though he won the popular vote by half a million votes, they had the whole contesting of Florida and all of that. That was, again, another, um, uh, out of, let me put it this way, the void moon at Bill Clinton's second inaugural led to the Monica Lewinsky whole thing of him lying and other things and, and being impeached and affected Al Gore's ability to win that election. So if that had not happened, the chances are Al Gore would have would have won that election, regardless of the Florida thing, because he wouldn't have been tainted so much with the Monica Lewinsky affair. So that void moon had that effect. Then the next void moon was Barack Obama, where the moon was in the last degree of Scorpio and void in 2009. Now, that was unusual also. I'm just sharing this because we're about to have another void moon on January 20th, 2021, which is a different kind of a void. But at any rate, with Barack Obama, you may remember John Roberts was reading him uh, to repeat the oath. There was some transference, I think, of his middle name, something, a word out of sequence. But the point was, is that based on the Constitution, 
and how the amendment had changed, we changed the date of inaugurations of presidents from the traditional date of March 4th, which had been the date of presidents taking the oath, unless it was a Sunday, then it would happen like the next day. But it was traditionally happening in March, and then it was shifted so that in 1937, when Franklin Roosevelt took the second inauguration, it was now on January 20th instead of March 4th. So uh, in the case of uh, President Obama, he actually redid because of the fact that the words were not correct in the original oath. The next day, without cameras rolling, but with, I think, one photographer, John Roberts did the oath again, which is really weird because by the Constitution, regardless of that oath, no matter how messed up you could make it, based on the Constitution, the previous term um, of of Bush and Cheney ended at noon on January 20th of 2009. And since Barack Obama and Joe Biden had become president-elect and vice president-elect, they took power at that noon moment, regardless of what was said in the oath. So it was interesting that they redid the oath. That was partly because, again, there was a void noon, so there was a slight screw up in what was said. But what was said is not important. It's just that for the public, it seemed like, oh, this is not so great. The reason I'm bringing this up, though, is what Barack Obama is now experiencing his Saturn return. He was president for two terms. He didn't have a void moon the second time around. But we know that he wanted Hillary Clinton to win. Joe Biden didn't run a number of years ago because his son, Bo, had died in 2014. He was still suffering from that, so he decided not to run. Hillary ran. Um, mostly against Bernie Sanders, and then she lost in the election. So then we've had the last four years of Donald Trump and this particular administration. And now, then for, in the last year, Barack Obama came out of retirement, so to speak, and helped Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, to win the election through a lot of his work. I mean, it's not single-handed, but he definitely helped. But, but how did the void moon affect uh, uh, Barack Obama? Of course, he's alive. He didn't lose his life or anything. And so therefore, just because there's a void moon happening January 20th, it doesn't mean that there's there has to be a negative effect per se with Joe Biden, although he's 78, he will be, be 82 four years from now. Then, you know, that's a, a very old age. Kamala Harris is much more in the prime of life. She's um, 50, she was born in 1964. We've shared about her chart. We will share again about her chart. So she's um, 56, and in the next two to three years, she will have a Saturn return and other things. And she's born exactly at a full moon, not a total lunar eclipse, but a full moon. And she, she and Joe Biden will both have very strong progressions. I've already shared about that. I'll share more about it, secondary progressions over the next couple of years. Nevertheless, what did happen was President Trump came in and pretty much dismantled or tried to destroy or eliminate all of the positive things or all the things that Barack Obama put into effect as president. And we pretty much knew he was going to do that. And this has been a, a strong obsession of the current president. You know what? It, I'm sure that he came in there and, and asked his advisors, give me a list of everything Obama did. And one by one over the course of time, whether it's environmental or the health care issues and other things, and certainly with the Supreme Court, because Donald Trump has put now three conservatives on there, that was independent of uh, Obama because of the passing of the people uh, in the Supreme Court. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, in the case of another Supreme Court justice who retired. So at any rate, Donald Trump has transformed so many things independent of, of Barack Obama as president. But a lot of the things because of that void moon 
have become dismantled. So that's what, what I'm saying is we have a void moon. We will share more about it. It lasts for almost two hours. So when, when the noon time comes on uh, January 20th, 2021, one of the good things is that turns out Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, they, they have somewhat similar charts in the way that they both have the moon close together. Uh, Kamala Harris has a moon uh, 27 plus degrees of Aries. Joe Biden's moon is the beginning of Taurus. So one of the links between them, they have the same Juno, which is pretty remarkable because their births are 20, about 22 years apart. Um, but nevertheless, they both have Juno and Sagittarius, uh, conjunct the United States rising, which is significant. And Juno, as I shared, I think in the last time is coming back, which it does every four years in Sagittarius. So they'll both have Juno returns. When Juno is positive, it's creation of peace and harmony, and that's their hope of coming into the administration. Whether they can do that or not is a whole other thing because of the pandemic, flu on top of that, all of the um, imperfections and difficulties and shenanigans or whatever you want, might want to call it of the last several months of not taking care of the American people and not pursuing the right and best ways in terms of protecting people and PPE and um, all the things that happened were particularly on uh, Republican party and the president not wearing masks and not doing the right thing to show how important it was and making it sound like it was a hoax for, for many months or it wasn't gonna be so significant. Um, there was, you know, originally we'd go back to February time and we know now that the president played this down the way he looked at it and he tried to say, I didn't wanna uh, shock everybody. I didn't want to create havoc, but by not telling us the truth, um, there was even more havoc being created when it, when it came out about how serious all of this is. Now, of course, as you know, there are new mutations uh, transmitting the tram transmissible qualities of a mutated vi virus are affecting younger people, and we've got our hands full. And even though the vaccines are coming out, people still need to be incredibly careful. And there's a lot of lockdowns as you've been hearing. The United Kingdom, South Africa, different countries, and now this new uh, mutated form is spreading throughout the United States. And so people have to be much more careful. So we've got all of that. So um, that the reason I wanted to bring all that up uh, may seem like, well, I already talked about it before, but we're gonna have 1939 uh, as a comparison next year. Now it's still a year away, but it's kind of ominous to think that Jupiter is following this arc from 1937, 38, 39, repeating now in 2020, 2021, 2022. And we already know that Pluto is going to come back for the first time ever in 2022, three times, and almost again in the end of 2023. And then eventually Pluto will go to zero of Aquarius, where we'll spend a number of years in Aquarius. But when Pluto reaches zero Aquarius, that's the inauguration sun degree of January 20th, every time we inaugurate a president. So during the next four years with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they're gonna not only have to deal with Pluto coming back, which can have unbelievably powerful repercussions. Now, some of it could be helpful if we are soul searching, again, soul awakening. And we, if you use Pluto in a positive way, you go down into the depths, you do more research, you delve into things, you do things from a deeper standpoint to sort of die to the old and be reborn and go through different metamorphoses and trans transformations, part of the positive qualities of slow-moving Pluto. 
because Pluto has a lot to do with the underworld, but it also has a lot to do with plutocracy and wealth and billions of dollars. And we know that billionaires are doing incredibly well. We're seeing things like Bitcoin now also skyrocketing. It was inevitable that with Jupiter and Saturn entering an air sign, an air sign, Jupiter, Saturn's over the next 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, for almost 180 years, that the whole idea of banking and money would be changing. And while the whole idea of virtual currency seems weird and a little bit strange to most of us, a lot of people have been investing in that. And Bitcoin, which has been going back and forth just recently, soared, um, I think as early as March, which is nine to 10 months ago, it had gone down to $5,000 a Bitcoin. Now it's at 30,000 uh, in the last couple of days. In fact, it was even higher than that. And then there was an article today, several articles saying, oh, Bitcoin crashed, it went down like 17% or something. But it only went down from like this unbelievably inflated number of 30 some odd thousand. Now, people who've invested in Bitcoin uh, it's kind of like robbing a bank here. The question is whether the volatility of Bitcoin, Litecoin, and these other kind of things can stabilize. And we still, we're still in the transition of the main banking world and the use of cash and the dollar as the world's currency. Over the course of my 47 years, I've studied market crashes, stock market crashes in America, panics of 1837 and 1873 and 1893 and the big stock market crash of 1929 and the beginning of the Great Depression, the, what is now called the Great Recession of 2008. These things can be studied and we will look at them. I will be looking at things like Bitcoin and other things. So that's part of this introduction. Now that we have Jupiter and Saturn together in Aquarius and they're both moving through Aquarius, we have things that are more mental, they're more intellectual, they're more virtual, they're more uh, cutting edge. They're more avant-garde. So we know that traditionally Saturn was said to rule Capricorn, an earth sign, and Aquarius, an air sign at the end of the zodiac. Once Uranus was discovered, 1781, at the time of the American Revolution being victorious over the British Empire that year, Uranus was discovered in March, uh, March 13 of 1781. And then we had the victory by um, Washington and um, the 13 colonies over uh, Cornwallis in October of that year. So within a short period of time, Uranus is discovered, it changes the whole shape of the, the previous four plus years of the battles. And then very rapidly, uh, America's revolution is successful, but then takes a number of years before we eventually get a constitution, a bill of rights and so on in the time period of 1787, 1788, 1789 and, and beyond. So that gives you a perspective of what I've been doing recently. Um, I've been able to share so far. Let's, I'm just going to take a little look here and time-wise, I think we're at a, we're about a, an hour and 20 minutes. And so I've been able to give you the upfront stuff, what's on our website, going to be on coast to coast. It's always uh, exciting. And again, I do suggest looking into Coast to Coast AM for your own benefit, because there's so many different people on there, as well as myself. But again, if you do one of their sign-up things, you can get a lot of the previous interviews and information about mundane astrology that I've shared over the course of time. So we're going to be looking, we do have Joe Biden's approximate birth time of 8.30 in the morning on November 20th, 1942. And we also have Kamala Harris's exact birth time from birth certificate. The reason I bring that up is 
Sometimes in global hotspots and other things, I will map out what we call the astrocartography or, or planetary locality lines for, the, for whoever's president when there's an international situation going on in the Persian Gulf or in the Far East or the president goes to some kind of a summit or there's some kind of a crisis. So keep watching Global Hotspot complimentary on uh, the website for new moons and full moons and also on our app on the Astrology Cosmic Calendar, remember with the K calendar for iOS or Android, whether you get it for free one day at a time, you decide to subscribe. Also on there, if you do subscribe, I, I'm, I work with um, World Goodwill, not just the organization. I mean, it's not, I have no ties to them directly, but I do believe very much in World Goodwill. It's part of Lucis Trust, Lucis Publishing, and that whole group that I worked with before I went to Fintorn in the 70s. And the work of World Goodwill to me should be part of astrology because astrology is not just, hey, what's going on in my chart? my transits and progressions or for my loved one or children or family members or our clients, but how astrology in general around the world as a budding science and as an art, as an oracle, uh, in all of its different forms, astrology can be used to create goodwill so that we work more with our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, um, using birth charts, using the cosmic calendar, using all these different tools and techniques now with software, getting reports, ordering those kind of reports that I said from Matrix Software that me, we make available or consultations you might want to order or the cosmic calendar in an app. Plus these places, we also have astro-business keys, archetypes and themes of the sun, the moon, the eight main planets, the four main asteroids, Chiron, that can give you a, a four complimentary to see keynotes of how do these planetary energies, the celestial bodies actually work, not just in terms of business, but their basic themes. So that's something that's on our website that you can go to whenever you want. And if you're doing the cosmic calendar and you're tuning in to what's happening in the sky with all the different cycles, you're reading global hotspots, you're learning more about new moons and full moons and eclipses, you're getting used to seeing world maps that we have there at the beginning of each of those stories. And if you go into Earth Aquarius News, there are several dozen great stories that are in there, whether it's about JFK, as I said, the wound that never heals, or the nuclear axis, which is in Gemini and Sagittarius, going all the way back to the first nuclear chain reaction, December 2nd, 1942, Enrique Fermi in Chicago. That starts off what I believe is the beginning of our nuclear age. And I did all this research about the bombings of Hiroshima, Nagasaki, SALT agreements, summit agreements, particularly between Russia, the United States, the nuclear test ban treaty in the summer of 1963 uh, between the United States, the United Kingdom and Russia, um, one of the last major um, actions of President Kennedy before um, he was assassinated that year. So there are a lot of stories in Earth Aquarius News, again, to learn how does astrology work? There's also a section at the top of our home page um, where you can learn like what is astrology there is a whole area called star language and i believe it has jfk's chart in there to to see an example of how the basics of astrology work now having said that here's a couple of other things i want to talk about before we eventually get to my reading um, the article 
called Unlocking the Mysteries of Esoteric Astrology from 20 years ago, which I'm really looking forward to sharing with you in, um, shortly. So this is an introduction. I've gone on a review. I wanted you to know what I've been doing recently, some of the background of the podcast, and about mundane astrology and my being on Coast to Coast. But some of the charts that, again, they're in the folder on Graker Enterprises with Mark Lerner Astrology Radio called Astroscope. There's a special folder, so each podcast has different charts and images. So between that area and the global hotspots, we've just had, just so you know, the order of significance and in going into the rest of January here of 2021. There was a November 30th full moon, partial lunar eclipse, unbelievably powerful. That's in global hotspots if you want to re review that. We had the December 14. 2020 total solar eclipse in Sagittarius, as I said before, that happened the same day as the um, the electors were chosen, which happened according to Hoyle in the way that we all anticipated, 306, I guess it was, for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and 232 for Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Oddly enough, the mirror reflection of how Donald Trump, as he said, oh, I won in a landslide over Hillary Clinton, it wound up being the reverse numbers. And, and again, we know why, because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were able to regain victories in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And then also in Georgia, um, and of course we have this whole thing happening right now with the President of the United States with a phone call that many are considered to be a, a legal jeopardy for the President that just happened in the middle of the afternoon Saturday, a couple of days ago when the moon was exactly on his Mars uh, and Gemini was rising, the nodes of the moon have a lot to do with fate and destiny, and Neptune has been squaring the new, the lunar nodes in the sky, so we that's part of the havoc and confusion and shadow sides of Neptune influencing the powerful lunar nodes, and the President of the United States decided to call, uh, I guess it was Secretary of State in Georgia, and there were different, um, as the story is coming out, because it's been big news the last, oh, what, 36 hours, where somebody got the recording, and some people think actually the President of the United States wanted the recording to come out because he feels so strongly that he was victimized and that he had more votes. And there's this number 11,780 or whatever it is where he's wanting the Secretary of State to just shift those votes for him so that he wins Georgia and so on. And of course tonight now, um, I just saw on TV, Donald Trump Jr. is exhorting the crowds there, the Republican crowds, because uh, there's the runoff elections to Senate races, which will be hopefully decided clearly tomorrow. And that will determine whether the Senate is run by Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer. And so we're, we're about to have some extraordinary kind of things tomorrow and Wednesday, right before I happen to be on Coast to Coast on Thursday night. So this is food for thought for all of you and for myself to prepare and see what's happening. So meanwhile, that December 14th total solar eclipse, oddly enough, it was it, it happened on the exact opposite day of the year to Donald Trump's birthday, which is June 14th. As I've shared before, De December 14th is also the birthday of Jim Comey. And we know that that whole thing of, of Comey being fired uh, led to the, 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 uh, the special counsel and the whole thing with Robert Mueller and it's just interesting that their birthdays are opposite. So Donald Trump's, as I shared many times, his son is in Gemini on the United States Mars, and with Donald Trump's Mars also rising in Leo. 
I mean, now we just had an interesting situation where when he makes this call to the Georgia Secretary of State, of all the positions that the moon could be in, the course of going through the whole zodiac every 27 days, where is it? 27 of Leo, which is on top of his Mars, near his rising degree of Donald Trump. Again, we see this kind of extraordinary synchronicity going on. Uh, we've seen it over and over with new moons and full moons and eclipses. So uh, then we had December 21, a week after the total solar eclipse, um, we had the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. So I'm presenting that chart again in the folder for this podcast 70, the winter solstice chart. And that was the day Jupiter and Saturn from the geocentric area, just a few hours after the solstice began, the start of winter in the Northern Hemisphere. There's a specific chart for that. And again, in global hotspots, part of that is a story. Meanwhile, we then just had a full moon a few days ago on December 29th. And I did, if you go to the global hotspot about that full moon with the sun and Capricorn, the moon and Cancer, it was exactly on Mercury within like two minutes of arc. That's one thirtieth of one degree of the zodiac of the president of the United States, Mercury. And here we have following that um, all these crazy things. I mean, I don't know how you else to describe it. Robert De Niro has talked about the president being a lunatic. I'm going to share other things about not just the president, but other members of our government, past and present, where the moon, whether and we know Donald Trump was born at a total lunar eclipse. I've referred to that before. I will share more about this whole idea of the moon, uh, full moons of lunar eclipses in history, affecting the world, affecting world leaders, affecting kings and queens, affecting how things happen. Um, a couple of months ago, I read from uh, called Cycles of the Wolf, a story about the power of wolves in America and going back to lycanthropy and other kinds of things relating to the moon and the power of the moon and the lore of the moon and the negative energies and the positive energies, because a lot of people at full moons are meditating. That didn't happen a whole lot in the past. But the power of the moon, the power of full moons and eclipses, both solar and lunar, are very, very important in terms of how cultures have existed, how shamans and mentors have developed, and the current plight of what's been going on recently, where it just seems as if there's so many people who are glomming onto or leaping onto a kind of um, rejection of the democratic norms of how we elect a president and a vice president and accepting a loss and being able to move on. So we've, we've had a rare, unusual situation. So these full moons and new moons have been affecting the U.S. birth chart in many ways, and they've affected President Trump's chart with this latest uh, Capricorn Cancer full moon. The moon position on December 29th was exactly on top of his natal Mercury. The president of the United States has Mercury at eight plus of Cancer. The moon was at eight plus of Cancer within two minutes of arc of his uh, Mercury. And Mercury, of course, rules Gemini, which is his sun sign and has a lot to do with business and communications and health, if we just think of what is Mercury rule. So here we are just a couple of days after December 29th with the uh, full moon exactly on the president's Mercury. What does he do? He makes a phone call to the Secretary of State Georgia. Now there are all these legal things popping up. It's almost as if the whole thing that happened with Ukraine where he was impeached because it seemed like a quid pro quo and he was doing things that were inappropriate. That led to the whole impeachment. Again, in, in the Senate, like Bill Clinton, he wasn't removed. Same thing happened with Andrew Johnson. 
these are the three different presidents who were impeached, but none of them were ever in their trials in the Senate. They were never removed from office. They just had the stain of impeachment. Of course, Richard Nixon had the whole Watergate thing, but he never even was impeached because the committee vote, uh, in, the, in the House voted that they, they would send um, articles of impeachment or suggest articles of impeachment would happen in the House. But then that was when Barry Goldwater and a couple of Republicans went to Richard Nixon and said, it's over, you've got to resign because the House will impeach you. And because of you know cover-ups and everything else, you could actually be convicted you know, and, and run out of office. And that would, in those days, right now, we, we, we see that the President of the United States and his relationship to the Republican Party, he doesn't care whether he is dissing a Democrat like Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or any other Democrat uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or anybody else, but now it's an equal opportunity. He, he goes against Mitch McConnell. He's going against Georgia Republicans, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp. So at this point, it's, it's, he's, it seems as if it's his, his own reality. doesn't seem to be saying anything caringly uh, about people in trouble. Um, he's been kind of completely gone. Um, it's kind of interesting because back in 2008 and under very different circumstances, George W. Bush, with the crisis, the financial crisis that was happening that year, fundamentally uh, gave over to Ben Bernanke uh, at the Fed and Hank Paulson of Treasury. Happened around September 15th of that election year. Uh, there was an announcement, I remember uh, George W. Bush saying, well, uh, let me introduce Hank Paulson and Ben Bernanke. And then George W. Bush was gone. I mean, it's like he was still president. Uh, then that was the election where Barack Obama defeated um, John McCain. But from September 15th to November, when the election was, whatever that date was, the president of the United States was basically gone because it was so traumatic about what was happening financially that he turned everything over to the secretary of treasury and the Fed chief. And we've had some of that happening with uh Steve Mnuchin recently and the, and the chairman of the Fed trying to get more money to, to, to people. Of course, they just did the, a $600 one, restored some of the unemployment benefits, although belatedly. So that creates havoc with unemployment in state, states, making it much harder for people to easily get that money. And that's another stain on uh, Donald Trump being so focused on himself that he didn't um, come, come to the rescue of of people in, in ways that any other president would have normally done. But again, we did have some of this uh, back 12 years ago, which is a Jupiter cycle at the end of the Bush-Cheney administration because of financial energies and not because of a pandemic. So um, at any rate, um, these new moons and full moons, you can read more about them in Global Hotspots, but now I'm just giving you a reminder, these full moons and new moons and eclipses can affect a president of the United States, a vice president, different leaders, uh, particularly with plutocracy and people having uh, the, the government. Um, in other words, it's government by the super wealthy. And when we have leaders, whether they're authoritarian or want to be authoritarian, or in our own seeming democracy, somebody has got billions of dollars, they're not always exactly Mr. and Miss Compassion. And there are a number of other people with extraordinary amounts of money in the government. And that's great if you have people in the government, but if they're also compassionate and empathic in a real kindly way and want to help people, then that's good. And that is plutocracy or Pluto in a good way, but it's hard to harness that and make it happen. Um, I'm not presenting the new year chart, but I, but I did share um, with 
my astrology cosmic calendar for January 1 that the first alignment of this new year is Mercury in a sextile to Neptune or Mercury 60 degrees to Neptune. So we go back a couple of days. Right now it's January 4th. On January 1, all around the world, um, we have a situation where fundamentally Libra is rising at midnight local time when the new year begins. Every new year, there's a kind of archetypal energy, which is goodwill to human beings. The sun below uh, at midnight all around the world when the new year starts and there's celebrations for what can happen, you know, for me, my family, whoever it may be, our community, our nation, and so on. So people are making affirmations, uh, hoping that the new year will be good. So the sun at midnight everywhere on January 1 around the planet is in Capricorn. And it's basically a time we're focusing on goodwill. But the other part of the coin is what is rising around the world. And in most places, Libra is rising or close to rising. And Libra can represent peace, peace and harmony uh, through our relationships. So goodwill through the sun in Capricorn peace and harmony. That's the archetype every single New Year's at midnight locally around the planet. But what we also had this year, right as 2021 was beginning, was Mercury, the first alignment was a positive, favorable one. And of course, there are high hopes that 2021, which by the way, numerologically is a five year, think, think of the five pointed star on a higher level. Think of Leonardo da Vinci's picture of the human being, arms outstretched, two legs, Basically, we are we are based on the five-pointed star, hopefully upward and not downward, because a downward five-pointed star has always been considered evil and negative and a misuse of the higher energies of what fiveness is all about. Think of the, the major uh, card in the Tarot uh, of the Hierophant being number five, following uh, the Emperor number four. So we know that there are a lot of problems. In fact, with inner child cards, uh, that Isha Lerner and myself created with uh, our artist Christopher Guilfoyle back a long time ago. Again, on our website, Great Fair Enterprises, you can see an ad for inner child cards based on fairy tales, 78 cards, an incredible book. And we actually articulated that fourth card in the Tarot of the Majors as the Emperor's New Clothes. And we right now, I hear a lot of people when they're referring to Donald Trump in particular, more so him than any other world leader, well, we've now seen that the emperor has no clothes because Donald Trump did X, Y, or Z. And here we were a couple of decades ago in this incredible fairy tale um, to row that we created together. And, and Isha, uh, who I met at Fintorn, um, and, and we, we were married at that point with, with our daughters and grandchildren now, um, it's incredible the amount of work that she did internationally and that particular uh, inner child cards. I also did later on with a friend, Laura Phillips, Baseball Tarot, which I said before, it's another whole world and that's not currently easily available, but inner child cards is available. You can see an ad for it. And uh, it, it's been translated into all these different languages, French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, uh, Japanese and so on. So it's had an enormous run over a couple of decades and people use it um, with a, a great amount of inspiration along with, of course, there are many tarot decks and oracle decks and things that are out there now, but I just wanted to mention all that, that we already shared this concept of the, rather than the, the emperor, which is the traditional number four of the majors, we actually uh, did the fairy tale of the emperor's new clothes and utilized it that way. 
And then in, in the higher font, which is the five card, we, we put in Gandalf from the Lord, Lord of the Rings. And um, that's an incredible card. Again, traditionally, it's often related to the Pope. Um, but the Hierophant, as, a, as an incredible shaman, and again, the reason I'm bringing this up is we're now in a five-year. We're moving from 2020, which was a four-year. Also, 2020 relates to sort of the double judgment card, the idea of judgment being card number 20 of the majors. So while we're also um, having a five-year, uh, it's very important to think, and this gets back to uh, what I'll be sharing about esoteric astrology, the upright pentagram that the human being is based on this fivefold energy. And of course, Leonardo, uh, I hope I said Leonardo da Vinci and not Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo da Vinci had that wonderful, incredible drawing of, of, of his incredible artwork of the human being in a five-pointed star. So at any rate, think of that with uh, the number five that, that we're entering. Now, I won't go through all the details of what's going to happen, but in the cosmic calendar, particularly if you subscribe to it, you will see day by day this month is incredible because we've got um, a, a new moon on January 13th. That happens right after January 11th when Mercury and Jupiter are together. Then there's a new moon um, Jan January 13th, one week before um, we have the inauguration of the president and vice president, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. And at that new moon, which I in the next podcast, I will focus more on that. So that's why I don't want to give everything about it. But if, you're, if you have the Cosmic Calendar and you are a subscriber, then you can go ahead to that date because we've already done, I've already put out all the dates in January. So you can look at January 13th on the day of the new moon when Mars also squares Saturn and the next day the sun is conjunct Pluto and Uranus is not moving, makes a station finally to get out of retrograde motion and go direct. So we're going to have this enormous energy January 11th, January 12th, January 13th, January 14th, where January 13th is the new moon in Capricorn close to Pluto, which is the, the lord of the underworld. And I've shared so much about Pluto before. Transformation, death and rebirth, metamorphosis, plus the planet Uranus, a planet of radical change and revolution and expecting the unexpected. Also higher intuition, breakthroughs in higher consciousness. Uranus is going to be incredibly strong and Mars and Saturn just happen to be squaring each other between Taurus and Aquarius. Mars will also be squaring Jupiter and Aquarius. And then on the day of the inauguration, aside from the void moon, when the void moon is over on January 20th, 2021, guess what? Mars, which has just gone into Taurus um, tomorrow, uh, in the next 48 hours, Mars goes into Taurus because right now Mars is at the end of Aries. And what will happen is Mars and Uranus will come together. And I've already shared the similarities, unfortunately, to Abraham Lincoln's second inauguration, March 4th of 1865, which was also at a time of a quarter moon, a first quarter moon, which can represent crisis. We know that when Abraham Lincoln gave that great address, uh, March 4th, 1865, a civil war was still happening for another five weeks. The war wouldn't end until Appomattox Courthouse, which was um, April 9th of 1865. And five days later at Ford's Theater, we know that John Wilkes Booth assassinated President Lincoln. Um, um, the Secret Service didn't really start until July 5th of that year, although there were preparations. Lincoln himself was had some paperwork about let's get a Secret Service going. 
which eventually did happen, unfortunately, a couple months later. So we had a situation where the inauguration, there wasn't a void moon on March 4th of 1865, but there was a first quarter moon. We had, there was a, uh, the moon was approaching Mars in the 12th house of that chart. Uranus was near the horizon. And there are very strong similarities to that, to that chart that are echoing on January 20th of 2021. And right after the void moon, and, and, and this is pretty, um, pretty amazing, I found recently the last Mars-Uranus conjunction, which was in February a couple of years ago, happened at 29 degrees of Aries. The last time Mars and Uranus came together is exactly uh, where, in other words, when Mars and Uranus come together this time, it's going to be at seven degrees of Taurus, so a few degrees past where, it, where they came together a couple of years ago. But the void moon position on January 20th, 2021, when the oath of office taken by Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris will have had her monthly lunar return that morning. Joe Biden won't have his lunar return until after the void happens. But the void moon itself, when they take the oath, will be at 29 of Aries. And the last time Mars and Uranus came together a couple of years ago was right there. So there's a double Mars-Uranus the last time they came together. And Mars-Uranus combinations can be pretty shocking. Uh, they happen every two plus years. And uh, in mundane or world astrology, you can chart that, find the exact time and do charts for a Mars-Uranus conjunction. Now in the United States birth chart, we, we have Mars and Uranus close together in Gemini. Uranus had not been discovered, Mars was known. We hadn't discovered Neptune. It turns out in the United States birth chart, part of the challenges we have is that Mars and Uranus are both in Gemini. The chart that we're using that's been rectified they're in the seventh house of relationship, which is in Monday astrology, open enemies or allies. So the martial energy, which often has to do with war or acts of war or inflammatory kinds of things, Uranus, which is the unexpected, shocking kinds of things. You get into things like radiation and nuclear things and um, deliberate acts of war and assassinations, different kinds of things. Mars and Uranus in the United States birth chart are approximately 13 degrees apart in the sign Gemini. But Mars is also in a square, a close square to Neptune in Virgo, which is at the top of the US birth chart. And, and Neptune wasn't discovered till September 23rd, 1846. Once we put it in the chart, it was like, oh, wow, that's at the top of the chart in the Midhaven, elevated. So the Neptune principles for good or for ill are very prominent for what we're striving for as a country in terms of elevation, how we look out to the world and what we're striving for and trying to achieve. Meanwhile, Mars in Gemini squares that, makes a right angle. I'm not going to give you everything, but like, for instance, when uh, when Barack Obama was born, his, his Mars is in Virgo, squaring the U.S. Mars and near our Neptune. So then we had a whole cycle where Republicans and conservatives were often uh, contradicting him or accusing him of different things because he part of his mission was to sort of work out things internationally. Again, it was under Barack Obama where Osama bin Laden was found and killed. And so um, you can look at president's charts and see the power of their Mars. We know that this president has Mars rising in Leo. As I just said, when the moon hit his Mars this past Saturday, what happened? This one plus hour phone call, Secretary of State of Georgia, now there are all these legal uh, entanglements and issues and 
inflammatory rhetoric back and forth between Republicans and conservatives and this runoff in Georgia. So uh, we, we see how Mars and these different planets and the planets of the U.S. chart can be very effective. So a couple more things in here. Uh, again, what I recommend if you do uh, get the Cosmic Calendar, if you haven't gotten yet and you can subscribe, you get things like Astro Flash, you get the cosmic chat, which connects up to World Goodwill, in particular if you subscribe. But also if you subscribe, you can go into the future and you can see the next couple of weeks. So for instance, we're going to have on January 23rd, the sun will make its annual conjunction with Saturn, but Saturn that's in Aquarius now. On January 28th, we have an incredible full moon. Now that's eight days after the inauguration and two days before Mercury makes a station to go retrograde. When the next Mercury retrograde, and again, I advise everybody, please listen to podcast 25, The Truth About Mercury Retrograde, because retrogrades, as I've shared many, many times, both in Welcome Planet Earth and recently in the podcast, Mercury retrograde and other retrograding planets, they don't have to be negative. It's human beings who need to be focused and review and reflect and reevaluate the themes of those planets. But when planets go retrograde, they can actually be more powerful in their own archetypes than when they're going direct. So if you listen to podcast 25 of The Truth About Mercury Retrograde, it's from a cover story from Welcome to Planet Earth, and I share all about that. It's, it's something that's rather revelatory. And I added famous people from the past and present who are born with Mercury Retrograde. That will surprise you to see, wow, look at how powerful these people are in either their hand-to-eye coordination, their communication skills, their business skills, whatever, that all relate to Mercury. And you'll see that people born with Mercury retrograde can be extremely gifted. And I, I think we need to cut through what I consider is an illusion, almost like a, a mass uh, hypnosis of negativity, because Mercury goes retrograde more than any other planet three times a year for three weeks at a time. It's gotten this tremendously bad rap. And even astrologers, unfortunately, I believe, emphasizes far too much. So I'm trying to look at it from the other side. And I'll, I think it was podcast 59 was when I did this whole research on Mars retrograde because we just had the election during Mars retrograde and that's infrequent. And that I found through each research happens every 32 years. And I went back to the different cycles when we had Mars retrograde during elections and explained that. So that's in podcast 59 and some of the other ones. And then I did more exploration of Mars retrograde at inaugurations. So as a reminder, when JFK was president, became president, not only was there a void moon, but Mars was retrograde. And again, part of the difficulty of that was, was having to deal with things like the Bay of Pigs invasion, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the whole confrontation with the Soviet Union and with Cuba and barely escaping you know, out of a catastrophic World War III, but then he was assassinated. So to some extent, the Mars retrograde there uh, in the sign of cancer could have been part of that whole scenario and definitely was. And then 32 years later, we wound up having um, Bill Clinton having a Mars retrograde at the beginning of his administration, the first one, even though he had a void moon in the second administration. Remember in the first one, he we had uh, Oklahoma City bombing. Um, we had um, the whole crisis in Texas um, with the fires there um, in Waco. There were many different things that happened in the first administration of Bill Clinton, even though it wasn't a void moon, that related to Mars being retrograde um, and also his attorney general at that time. 
so many different things that were happening, but particularly the o Oklahoma City bombing uh, as well. As, and then the first, uh, the first bombing of, of the Trade Center, okay, in 1993. So that set the stage for eventually uh, 2001 which then happened under George Bush and Dick Cheney. So there was the first bombing at the nuclear, uh, at, the, at the Trade Center in 1993. So there were a number of Mars retrograde, inflammatory, violent kinds of things, plus a whole bunch of other things having to do with the world situation under Bill Clinton administration. Now there were certain positive things happening too, but the next Mars retrograde is gonna be at the next inauguration after this one. So January 20th of 2025, we get through the next couple of years, Pluto coming back three times for the USA. Also, as a reminder, Neptune this year, in a couple of months, I will be sharing much more. Neptune is gonna oppose the US Neptune, which is in Virgo at the top of the US chart. And, Nep and Neptune has been slowly moving through Pisces and we're gonna have a very powerful and provocative Neptune 180 degrees to its own position for the US and simultaneously, Neptune squaring Mars in the U.S. birth chart in Gemini. So we've got another conflagration this year with the flu, the pandemic, the new administration, the economic crisis, everything still culturally, the kind of civil war environment between the right wing and the left wing, politically and culturally and ethically and so on. So there's many different things in the passing off from this current administration of, of Donald Trump and Mike Pence to the, the Biden and Harris administration. So before we even get to Pluto exactly coming back in 2022 a couple of times and Pluto going on to zero of Aquarius, 2024 into 2025, which again is another big deal. By the way, another thing we're gonna to get to in the series, I don't wanna to leap too far, but there's another big total solar eclipse that will affect America in 2024. And also the United States will have a progressed new moon not in Aquarius, but in Pisces. We had a progressed new moon in Aquarius for the US, for the United States Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. You go back to 1994, it was in Aquarius. In fact, it was almost exactly Barack Obama's ascendant in Aquarius was the progressed um, new moon uh, that occurred in October of 1994. And we're gonna have another progressed new moon in March of 2024, right before a total solar eclipse that will kind of parallel or mimic the one that was in 2017 uh, in August, which raced from Oregon where I live through the center of the United States and wound up uh, at Charleston, South Carolina, which remember was the beginning point of the civil war. So that last total solar eclipse, so many people went to see it and it was promoted through astronomers that was very, very powerful. And it's not all that frequent that the United States will have total solar eclipse pathways going through our country. So the sort of uh, companion to the 2017 one in late Leo is going to happen um, in Aries, and that will be in April 8th of 2024, just after a progressed new moon. So the America will be sort of deeply uh, I shouldn't, I could say disturbed, but we'll be going through a whole bunch of psychological emotions, emotional, spiritual changes. We don't know what the next several years are going to bring, but we can look at the astrology ahead for the country and get a sense of that. So um, we'll, let's see, we're now at 
about uh, a little less than two hours. Let me, there's so many other things I want to share with this, um, but let me just say in brief, because we've already covered a lot, and I'm kind of going at this eclipse, <laughs> at a clip, I, I wanted to say a fast clip, and I just looked at one of my writings talking about eclipse, so um, I've already mentioned the, the parallel in 2024 to what happened just a couple years ago. Um, so that'll be pretty fascinating. Something that um, I've been meaning to talk about is that I haven't mentioned. At the inauguration, exactly within one minute um, of January 20th, 2021 in Washington, DC, Saturn and Neptune are gonna move 45 degrees apart. So in the cosmic calendar entry, I mentioned this, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it, that well, let me get to that piece of paper here. So this is something I've kept forgetting to do over the last couple of podcasts. And it is interesting because Saturn-Neptune alignments, whether they be opposite or square or conjunct, um, Saturn is so connected to physical life, the material life, Neptune so much to things that are subtle and spiritual. So it turns out that Saturn and Neptune, when the inauguration happens, and uh, I am including that chart again this time, um, let's see, Saturn is at th up, up above. Uh, you'll see Saturn with the Sun, Saturn, Jupiter, Pallas, and Mercury in the inauguration chart in the 10th house. And if you look uh, at Neptune is in the 11th house in Pisces at 18 Pisces and 56 minutes or 58 minutes, yeah, 56 minutes. They're 45 degrees apart. What is for a 45 degree aspect? It's called a semi-square, it's half of the square. In a lot of astrology, again, if you look at some guidebooks like Llewellyn and other ones, they give you a lot of different alignments, but they don't always give you an exact 45. In fact, I know they don't give you 45 degree alignments or the 135. They may give the quincunx or in conjunct of 150. Some of these um, guides don't give you the four main asteroids either, where of course, because of my studies with Eleanor Bach and her bringing out Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta from the very beginning, 1973, her, her landmark hardcover book with the four main asteroids, they were discovered from 1801 to 1807, but they never really saw the light of day so that we could put them into charts. And as I began my astrology practice, fortunately, as I've shared before, these feminine goddess archetypes, part of a great mother energy that undoubtedly a long time ago in our solar system, just like I've shared in the Star Wars series of George Lucas, where he, in the first movie where Alderaan was destroyed, and when you think of the Superman comics with Krypton being destroyed, we have this archetype. Something happened in between Mars and Jupiter in our solar system. I've shared this before. When I'm uh, on Coast to Coast, uh, he's now passed. Uh, Tom Van Flanderen, bless his soul, he passed away uh, a number of years ago. You can still look up his work. His name is Tom Van Flanderen, um, The Exploding Planet Hypothesis. And he's not the only one, but I remember both talking to him and Richard Hoagland with The Face on Mars. I've actually, I had discussions with them and they were both on coast to coast, but particularly this idea of exploding planets in our solar system. So it turns out George Lucas, whose son is exactly on the discovery point of Ceres, from George Lucas, I've done this whole study. And again, you can listen and see the podcasts I did, which were a little over a year ago, right before the pandemic came out, uh, right before Kobe Bryant 
died with his daughter, with other people in the helicopter crash. So in that interim of time and the last Star Wars movie came out, um, I put out all my articles about Star Wars, about George Lucas, and particularly, again, bringing back the whole thing of when, when George Lucas was born, uh, May 14th, 1944. His sun degree in Taurus is exactly where Ceres, the largest asteroid, was discovered uh, back in eight, January 1 of 1801. The reason this is so significant is that we know that Ceres is where a planet should be based on what's called Bode's Law in the solar system. So Mercury is orbiting where there should be a planet. So we've got Mercury. Venus is orbiting where there should be a planet according to this Bode's Law. The Earth is moving where it should be. Uh, Mars is moving where it should be. Same thing with Jupiter and Saturn. Now, when you get to outer planets, they're not necessarily always in the right orbital ring according to a law that came in astronomically back 100 years ago, whatever. But Ceres, the largest asteroid, which was was always relegated to, uh, after its discovery, was considered a planet, as well as Pallas Athena, Juno, and Vesta. And I shared the last time that Sir William Herschel, who discovered Uranus, major discovery there, then he was the one who kind of demoted these first four asteroids. They weren't ever called asteroids, and the astronomers thought that they had discovered planets. Then when it was realized that they were kind of small, it was Sir William Herschel, among others, who said, you know what, they're not really planets. They're star-like, they're planet-like, so let's call them asteroids. That's how we get the name asteroids, because they're smaller. But as Eleanor Bach used to say, smallness is just as much of a quality as bigness. And she used to write that Juno, the smallest, actually, in terms of size of the four main asteroids, Juno and Jupiter were a pair in mythology, Zeus and Hera in Greek mythology. And so Juno and her smallness or her littleness, that is a quality, and Eleanor Bach was able to share so many extraordinary things, both in terms of personal charting for her clients, men and women, as well as um, doing work in mundane astrology, just like myself. And so she was somebody who came out with a newsletter, I believe it was called Planet Watch. And of course she passed 25 years ago now, bless her soul, um, and did a lot of this amazing writing for Welcome to Planet Earth, as well as her own books and periodicals. So having said all of that, there's just so much going on in January. We're going to have a Mercury retrograde on January 30th. Exactly. Mercury's going to stop on the U.S. moon, on our palace Athena, and now we know Quasar is there. Before we ever get to that, January 28th is a powerful full moon. The sun is with Jupiter. On, on January 23rd, we have the sun with Saturn. So there are so many different alignments are coming up. Also in February, we're going to have Venus conjunct Jupiter. And there'll be a series of days there just before the Chinese uh, Lunar New Year, which always happens uh, at the point where the sun and moon are together in Aquarius. So this year, that'll be, uh, I don't want to give you the wrong date for that. So let me, I think it's February 12th. Hold on a second. And that's because we're going to have a, a new moon on the 11th, February 11th in Aquarius. But because it's already the 12th in Asia, the Lunar New Year, which is happening with the sun and moon in Aquarius, that will be on February 12th. But it turns out that um, what's pretty amazing is that, again, I haven't done the cosmic calendar for this, but we're going to be, I'll share more about, since this is an introduction to the beginning of 2021 and more. Um, on February 10th, a Wednesday, we're going to have the moon in Aquarius conjunct Saturn in the sky and conjunct Venus and conjunct Jupiter and conjunct Mercury. And then just before the new moon, happens on 
Thursday, February 11th, that leads to the Chinese Lunar New Year the next day, Venus conjuncts Jupiter in the sky in Aquarius. That's just four hours before the, the new moon in the sky on February 11th. So unbelievable excitement and powerful alignments of a whole bunch of Aquarian energies. And then on the next day, February 12th, when, when uh, China or the, the areas in Asia are celebrating the Lunar New Year, and of course, so many people from Asia all around America, all over the world, will be celebrating that Chinese Lunar New Year. Uh, Mercury will be in Ven uh, conjunct Venus on that day. And then on the next day, Saturday, February 13th, Mars and Neptune will make an alignment called a sextile. The moon will be in Pisces conjunct Neptune. And then we'll have the third of three on Valentine's Day, Mercury-Jupiter conjunction. So the first Mercury-Jupiter conjunction is uh, January 11th. And then, uh, let me see if I get that right. Yeah, January 11th. That's coming up soon because I've already written about that. And that's Mercury conjunct Jupiter coming up shortly here in a few days next week, a week from today, Mercury conjunct Jupiter. And you, you, you can see in AstroFlash, I put that out, I believe that particular date for you to, to study in AstroFlash in the uh, in the in our app in the astrology cosmic calendar app but that's just one of three mercury jupiter conjunctions and they are the two ruling planets of traditionally of all mutable signs gemini virgo sagittarius and pisces so here are the three dates of mercury conjunct jupiter we've got uh, january 11th then as mercury goes retrograde after uh, it goes retrograde january 30th uh, we will eventually get uh, February 14th, uh, which is Valentine's Day, Mercury will be with Jupiter. And then it will come back again after February 20th, Mercury will go direct and Mercury and Jupiter will conjoin for the third time on Thursday, March 4th. So we've got three, we not only have a Mercury retrograde exactly on the United States moon at the end of January, which is also our Pallas Athena and our Quaor, for those people get into that, but Mercury and Jupiter will make three conjunctions from January 11th, February 14th, and March 4th. And, and because they rule a Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces, they are ruling planets of communication and transportation. And when you think of the vaccines that have to be transported, the communications that have to happen, not just in America, but around the world, from governments and state governments, national governments, state governments, to drugstores, to pharmaceuticals, to hospitals, um, to make sure people get as many vaccines as they need, two for some of them, in other cases it may be one, and so on. So these are all very important. So I've gone through a whole lot here. I want to uh, get into um, talking about the article. The, there's a couple other things I just wanted to point out briefly. So I'm going to share also the vernal equinox chart, but I'm not going to talk about it yet. But I want you to know that down the road, when we hit March 20th, you'll see a chart uh, this time for the vernal equinox in the northern hemisphere. And I've got it here. I just wanted to, oh yeah, here, I finally found it. Okay, so one of the charts will be the vernal equinox. By the way, the winter solstice chart, very, very powerful. That's why I'd like you to go back to Global Hotspot particularly for us in America, very powerful energies that came in at the winter solstice. And those are particularly, um, you'll go back and see the story in Global Hotspot. But in that case, Juno was exactly rising 
and Sedna was setting, and Vesta was above, Ceres and Neptune and the moon were below. This amazing confluence of feminine archetypes as America, particularly, on the angles of the chart for Washington, D.C. So when you look at the winter solstice chart in for this podcast, or if you go to Global Hotspot and read what I have to say, that's the powerhouse there. The real the hint I want to mention about the vernal equinox, particularly for Washington, D.C., of course, by then we will have a new president, vice president. It'll be a couple months from now. We'll see what they have accomplished or what they haven't. But maybe some good news there, we'll have to see, is that Jupiter is rising in uh, at the exact moment, which is 538 in the morning uh, in Washington, D.C., March 20th of 2021. And Jupiter is almost exactly rising in Washington, D.C., so we're going to see, hopefully it will be a positive expression of Jupiter, benevolence, providence, power of positive thinking for the country as a whole, and from the government, restoring some kind of uh, universal order, again, through the Aquarian vibration um, of ideas and the power of mind and intellect and intuition, and more of group and teamwork and kind of universality. So I, I do find that it's very interesting the shift between the winter solstice chart for the U.S. and the vernal equinox chart. So I am putting that chart out. And also in that chart, Pallas Athena and Mercury will be in a close conjunction of Pisces in the first house of greater self-expression for the country as a whole, at least for the U.S. And uh, again, there's not just the sun at the beginning of Aries. Uh, there is Chiron in Aries, Ceres, the largest asteroid in Aries, Eris in Aries as well. And, of course, Uranus will remain in Taurus for quite a while. By that time, uh, one of the interesting things, though, is that Mars will be in Gemini at the vernal equinox, having just passed over the United States Uranus for the first time in two years. And the moon itself will be in Gemini, uh, approaching a trine, a flowing link to the Jupiter rising in that chart. And the moon will be close to the north node, its own orbit, when that vernal equinox takes place. So... There we have at least some insights for all of that. So I'm going to shift gears here. Um, the other thing is that I, in the future, I want to share a little bit about The Destiny of the Nations, one of the loosest trust, loosest publishing books. It was one of the last ones because there, there are a whole lot of interesting charts in there and information about nations, what is called the star of the world of, of different countries like France, China, um, the Soviet Union or Russia. Uh, the United States and France and a five-pointed star and different inlets of power having to do with major places like New York and London, Tokyo, uh, uh, Darjeeling, India, uh, and Geneva, Switzerland. And there's a, on page 50, uh, the United States has two different rays. This will make more sense when I read uh, about the rays in a moment. The soul ray of America is considered the second ray of love and wisdom and our personality ray just like individuals in this whole science and, and uh, metaphysics that came through, particularly Alice A. Bailey channeling the teachings of the Tibetan Master D.K. about the seven rays, which uh, I'll share more about, nations have different ray structures. So the, the ray of love wisdom is our soul ray, which is ray number two, and we share that with the United Kingdom or Great Britain. Our personality ray, which is always different, it's not always different, but usually different than the soul ray. It's the sixth, sixth ray of idealism. And our keynote, our national motto is, I light the way. And we share the sixth ray personality with Russia. So that's an interesting connection there. So we're in line or in sync on personality levels with the ray structure 
of Russia and the United States are linked. And the interesting thing there is that Mars and Neptune are both planets, Mars in what is called a non-sacred manner and Neptune more sacred in terms of the evolution of those planets, independent of thinking of the Earth or life on Earth. Planets also have their own evolution. And it's said in the uh, Alice Bailey Tibetan Master DK teachings that Mars is on a lower vibration, possibly, probably because of why its transits and its alignments often do create things like war and inflammatory conditions more often than any other planet. Uh, but Neptune um, is also connected to the sixth ray of idealism, idealism and devotion, and often on a much higher level of psychic sensitivity and compassion and empathy and universal love when it's working well. But Neptune, like any other planet, can also be deficient or not utilized well, and then we get confusion and chaos and nebulosity. So at any rate, I just wanted to mention this. At some point, I might read from The Destiny of the Nations. And also another point, um, there's a great introduction to political astrology, one of the great books that I was able to study decades ago when I first started by Charles E.O. Carter, who had been also head of the Astrological Lodge of the Theosophical Society and from Great Britain. And he did a remarkable series of books, particularly about World War II, political astrology, psychological astrology, and spiritual astrology, and, I, and again, also at some point going from the Astrology of America's Destiny, a birth chart for the United States of America by Dane Rudyard, where he gave out so much information back in this classic book about America's birth chart and progressed new moons and so many other things. Um, also, I mentioned Heaven Knows What as a report that uh, a lot of people don't order based on Grant Louis's great books, Astrology for the Millions, and heaven knows what, and that's in our astrology shop in the astrology report area. And at some point, I want to read a little bit from uh, his book because he gets into uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, and his 12-year cycle as president from 1933 to 1945. And at the same time, we have Adolf Hitler and his rise to power. I have shared that briefly before. Um, same time period, 1933 to 1945. And so their careers, one as the only president to serve four terms, and, um, and Hitler, uh, in terms of his being an authoritarian figure, it's just really fascinating to look at that whole situation. And, and there, there are two different lifetimes of being in power for the same 12-year cycle. Okay, so without further ado, Unlocking the Mysteries of Esoteric Astrology, um, I called it part one cover story. Hold on a minute while I have a, a sip of water here. So we have here, uh, you'll see a picture if you go to Graper Enterprises. And the, part of the reason I'm sharing this is partly because this series is the soul awakening, the astrology soul awakening of 2021 and beyond. And this is the introduction, of course. But I wanted you to be able to see this image if you go to Great Bear Enterprises into the folder for this podcast 70 area. You'll see the chart for the winter solstice, the vernal equinox, the inauguration chart. There might be another one in there. I'm not sure at this point what I'll put in. But you'll see the cover with this logo. We have two logos for my business, Great Bear Enterprises, and the website. One uh, you'll see periodically it looks like a bear with the seven stars of the Big Dipper, and it's it's a really cool image. The other one is this um, triangle on top of a seven-pointed star, and some of this comes out of Rudolf Steiner's great teachings in anthrop 
philosophical uh, literature. So Rudolf Steiner is one of the great seers and uh, the, the creator of the Waldorf schools and other things. Great books, Egyptian Myths and Mysteries. The first esoteric book I ever read, Knowledge of the Higher Worlds and How to Attain It, uh, came through uh, Rudolf, Rudolf Steiner. So I want to make sure that you know that this logo is not all just me, but I did add the Uranus, Neptune, Pluto triangle on top of this. And it's actually a talisman, a very magical one, particularly the inner area of the seven-pointed star. That is very much connected to the metals that relate to like gold and, and the sun, moon and silver, Jupiter and tin, and so on, Saturn and lead, Venus and copper, Mars and iron. Uh, the days of the week and how they unfold uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as well as increasing uh, the atomic weights and numbers of these different metals are all actually magically related by this internal sevenfold triangle. So it's not just arbitrary where these positions and, and symbols are. And then because of Uranus and Neptune, Pluto, and that they were never part of this as the, the three main outer planets, um, I devised a triangle to superimpose on this. So this is a fairly magical uh, symbol. And again, it may just be seen as, oh, that's a really cool image, but it's more than that. So having said that, here's the storyline and I hope you enjoy it. And then the next time we'll move on to other things. So I call this Unlocking the Mysteries of Esoteric Astrology Part One. I don't know if I ever did. I think I did do a part two. Well, no, I didn't, not in the magazine because this was near the end of our run. So. I had done things before this, but not this particular title in this way. So here we go. Ever since Welcome to Planet Earth began as a newsletter in the summer of 1981, we have presented a logo of the solar system as a spiritual key that can unlock many of the mysteries of esoteric astrology. See cover art of this magazine. When Welcome to Planet Earth began, this logo contained the sun and moon, the two lights, and five traditional planets with the earth at the center. Over time, a cosmic triangle was added revealing Uranus above, Neptune on the left, and Pluto on the right. For the past few years, this cryptic image has been placed on the bottom portion of our front covers. To probably most of you, this symbol is obscure, maybe not even recognized, yet it is a dynamic picture of our solar systemic life that can be deciphered as a kind of Rosetta Stone helping us decode the abstruse hieroglyphics of the language of esoteric astrology. Okay, origins of this symbol in bold here from my reading this. Again, this is from 20 plus years ago, 20 and a half years ago. Origins of the symbol. In the years before I began Welcome to Planet Earth, I steeped myself in the ageless wisdom teachings of many cultures. I read books by P. D. Ospensky, Rudolf Steiner, H. P. Blavatsky, Alice A. Bailey, and the Tibetan Master D.K., Edgar Cayce, Manley Palmer Hall, Alan Watts, Jeffrey Ash, and others in the esoteric metaphysical field. I worked at the Lucis Publishing Company, Arcane School in New York City, in 1974-75 and was a member of the Finhorn community in Northern Scotland, 1976 to 1979. Back in 1974, I read a fascinating book called The Secrets of Metals by Wilhelm Pelikan from the Anthroposophic Press. This paperback explained the power of the seven main metals within earthly life, humanity, and the individual human being. These seven metals are iron, copper, silver, tin, gold, mercury, and lead. And as anyone familiar with astrology and medieval alchemy knows, these seven metals are linked to the seven Ptolemaic planets, iron with Mars, copper with Venus, silver the moon, tin with Jupiter, gold the sun, 
Mercury uh, related to Mercury and led to Saturn. While the entire book is a little gold mine of esoteric wealth, pages 11 to 16 reveal a series of diagrams revealing amazing connections among and between these seven celestial bodies and metals. It is too involved to give you all the diagrams here. Suffice it to say, there is a true and precise linkage of all seven planets' metals according to their atomic weights, how they are found in the natural order, in ores, how they influence the metabolic, nervous, and respiratory systems in human beings, how they are aligned in space via the traditional Ptolemaic system, and how they create our seven-day week, giving us a sense of order in time. For example, if you move around the circle, see front cover, starting from the placement of Mars in the lower right area, going to Venus, lower left area, and continuing clockwise, Moon, Jupiter, Sun, Mercury, and Saturn, you have the precise order of atomic weights, going from the lowest, iron Mars, to the highest, lead Saturn. Another example, you can create a seven-pointed star within the circle, beginning at the at the Sun, the top, and drawing a line to the Moon, then to Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, and Saturn. With such a seven-pointed star, you create an harmonic design by jumping over one planetary placement with each line. You create an intricate seven-pointed design, but you are revealing the price, precise order of the days of the week. Sunday, the Sun's day, Moon day, Monday, the Moon's day, Tuesday, Mars's day, Wednesday, Mercury's day, Thursday, Jupiter's or Thor's day, Friday, Venus day, and Saturday, Saturn's day. As Wilhelm Pelican states in his book, quote, with the names of the days, with the names of the days, each day of our lives, we are reminded of the cosmic rhythms. The ancient wisdom named our units of time after the stars. The experience of every week reminds us of the evolution of the universe, of the secrets of cosmic becoming, and of the fact the earth and all its creatures at every moment are in constant connection with the spatial configuration of the cosmos and laws of evolution in time, unquote. He also makes another very important statement elsewhere, quote, the metals belong not to the earth, but to the entire cosmos. That is what our, our diagram demonstrates. Uh, let me go on to the next page here. Unquote. Uh, hopefully in a future article, which I didn't write, um, I would like to write more about the magic in this statement. It is very clear to me that when the earth was formed, the metals relating to the seven celestial bodies were in, were in a sense gifts to our planet. They literally are active powers of these other solar systemic bodies in our world. Thus, when you wear a silver bracelet or necklace, you're not simply wearing a metal that has some kind of hazy link to the moon. You're dynamizing yourself with lunar energies and powers for good or ill, and therefore much depends on when, the timing, you wear such an item of jewelry. This gets into the whole field of creating talismans and electional, electional astrology. Planetary pairs. When I first began my studies in astrology in 1972, my main mentor and teacher was one of the great astrologers of the 20th century, Dane Rudyard. Thanks to reading all his major, all his main astrological masterworks, I was able to become an astrologer. In an astrological study of psychological complexes, Shambhala paperback, 1976, Dane Rudyard has much to say about certain pairs of planets. In that book, he discusses several pairs of planets, three of which are Mercury and Jupiter, the intellectual and mental pair, Moon, Saturn, the identity, structure, form of ego and self, Venus, Mars, love, creativity, sexuality, and procreation. If you draw a simple horizontal line starting at Venus, the Moon, and Jupiter on the left side, 
of our symbol circle, you will connect to Mars, Saturn, and Mercury on the right side. Even in our logo, there is a revelation of levels of consciousness. Venus, Mars as a foundation of our desires, passions, urges, emotions, and the fundamental need to procreate or recreate ourselves in, in new life. Moon, Saturn relating to who we are as a human ego, a unique entity in the world. The structure, Saturn, of our psyche, memories, instincts, Moon. Jupiter, Mercury as the essence of our thinking, ability to expand our consciousness and rise toward higher levels of spiritual awareness. And that source, power, and center of energy, the Sun symbol, which stands at the top of the circle and acts as a mediator between the pairs of planets around the circle. Next subheading, uh, adding the cosmic triangle. Over a decade ago, I was meditating on the power of the symbol of the solar system and suddenly felt it was time to incorporate the three outer planets into the equation. Although this was never a part of the diagrams in the secret of Secrets of Metals, I came up with a very easy solution to interlock the triangle of transcendental planets in red power lines with the circle of the seven main celestial bodies. Notice how simple the fit is here. Uranus stands above and beyond the sun. Why? It is said in esoteric astrology by Alice A. Bailey and the Tibetan master D.K. and throughout much of the literature in esoteric astrology that Uranus channels the, quote, seventh ray, unquote, within our solar system to the Earth and within humanity. We have discussed the seven main rays, and I refer to an article by Bonnie Wells, in the last few years in Welcome Planet Earth. And the seventh ray is connected to synthesis, ceremonial order, and the revealer of the New Age. This ray is gaining in strength during the past 100 to 200 years, has much to do with the birthing of our industrial and high-tech society, and will continue to grow in power for many more centuries. It is supplanting the sixth ray vibrations linked to Neptune and Mars, connected to devotion, zeal, idealism, and religious fanaticism. Uranus is also the main ruler of Aquarius, and we know we are moving into the 2160-year age of Aquarius. Notice well that the Sun rules Leo and Uranus rules Aquarius, the opposite sign to Leo. In addition, Uranus, often considered a high octave to Mercury, is shown as another mediator beyond the Sun of the Jupiter-Mercury pair. We know that Uranus has much to do with tapping into our intuition, accessing higher knowledge and wisdom. And the pair of Jupiter and Mercury has everything to do with our mental power, intelligence, and the urge to expand our consciousness. So the match of Uranus in this triangle above and beyond the sun makes sense. Anchoring the left side of the triangle is Neptune, and it is in a perfect position as it helps balance and inspire the left corner where Venus and the moon are located in, on the circle. Venus and the moon are feminine celestial bodies, and Neptune is considered the higher octave to Venus. Neptune is also a pl planet linked to psychic sensitivity, dreams, imagination, and visions, all of which are clearly associated with the moon as well. Neptune is considered a, quote, sacred planet, unquote, channeling the sixth ray of devotion and idealism. While the sixth ray is said to be lessening in influence as the seventh ray becomes more prominent, the sixth ray is strongly linked to the love-wisdom vibrations associated with the second ray, associated with the Christ consciousness and world teacher. America is born with Neptune overhead, and we are definitely a nation founded on religious freedoms and the goal of being a melting pot of various cultures, ethnic groups, and races. All of this conjures up the magic and mystery of Neptune. According, uh, excuse me, anchoring the right side of the triangle is Pluto, a 
Again, this is a perfect match for our diagram. Notice how Pluto winds up mediating and balancing the right corner shared by Mars and Saturn. Most astrologers consider Pluto as a higher octave to Mars. I don't know if, quote, higher, unquote, is the best word here, but Pluto and Mars are connected in a potent manner. Dane Rajar felt that Pluto was more identified with Aries than Scorpio as an additional ruler with Mars. Most astrologers now simply say that Pluto rules Scorpio. I don't really agree with this as Pluto is so far away that it transits through the zodiac very slowly. And you cannot have a planet, quote, ruling, unquote, a sign when it may take 30 years, Pluto and Taurus, for example, to trans transit through that sign. Mars goes through the entire zodiac in two years and makes every aspect possible in that approximately two-year journey. In two years, Pluto may move three to six degrees, depending on its speed. That cannot mean rulership, quote-unquote, in our ordinary sense of the term. Therefore, if someone is born with Scorpio rising, what is that person's ruling planet? Pluto, which may travel a few degrees in a year at most, or Mars, which may travel through half the zodiac in a year? Think about it. Pluto in our diagram shows a strong affiliation with both Mars and Saturn. We now know that many of the meanings of Saturn in ancient medieval times before the discovery of Pluto are really better suited to distant, cold, intense, and awesome Pluto. Pluto is considered a non-sacred planet that along with sacred Vulcan, an intramercurial planet possibly existing on etheric and higher levels rather than the physical plane, uh, along with uh, Pluto, along with Vulcan, channels the first ray of power, will, government, the creator, and destroyer. To some extent, before any old age can die and a new age be born, the first ray energies linked to Pluto have to be released, and they will often be stepped down, quote-unquote, by volatile, inflammatory, accident-causing Mars, and restrictive, fearful, frustrating, and weakening Saturn. Perhaps Mars and Saturn can be considered at times negative, quote, agent provocateurs, unquote, sent by Pluto to do his, quote, cosmic dirty work, unquote, of death, purging, and rebirth. Uh, next subtitle, Meditation on this Image. While I recommend your reading Esoteric Astrology by Alice A. Bailey, Bonnie Wells's articles over the past few years in Welcome to Planet Earth and a book by Ruth Mirskwa, one of our subscribers, subscribers entitled Who You Are and Why You Are Here, with a tremendous amount of information on soul and personality raised for each person based on their birth charts, I feel that by bringing our Planet Earth magazine logo to life on this issue's cover, you can better grasp the whole, wholeness, integration, and synthesis of our solar system. Like an Eastern mandala, the Enneagram, or the Kabbalah's Tree of Life diagram, hold on a moment, there is a magical process that can take place when you gaze at this pattern and research its many lines and interconnections. By learning more about the seven rays, esoteric rulerships of the signs of the zodiac, the science of triangles, and so much more, mostly contained in Esoteric Astrology by Alice A. Bailey, you may ferret out secrets about your own higher destiny and purpose on Earth in this lifetime. Even with all the knowledge currently available regarding outer planets, the four main asteroids, Chiron, transits, progressions, solar arc directions, harmonics, relocation charting, the revolutionary Magi astrology work on declinations, uh, PS, which was in our magazine in the, around 1995-96, uh, Magi quads and midpoint crossings, which has appeared in their books and within these pages, working with esoteric astrology can lead you on a remarkable spiritual odyssey. And 
and now this is well it's also a paragraph which is quite quite remarkable over the new 20-year jupiter cycle culminating with the next jupiter saturn union at zero plus aquarius on december 21 2020 so realize i wrote that 20 plus years ago okay i'm going to read it again over this new 20-year jupiter saturn cycle culminating with the new, next jupiter saturn union at zero plus aquarius on december 21 2020 it is important to see our solar system in a different manner than the astronomers want us to see it in the usual linear form on a poster with the big sun on the left then orbit of mercury then venus earth mars and so on that never really exists anyway the solar system in which we live move and have our being is a dance and movement on many planes simultaneously work with this logo and image as a talisman something that behaves like a charm or amulet perhaps protecting you on higher levels perhaps unlocking mysteries into your divine heritage let me know what you discover and again you that's the end of it and you can uh, contact me through great bear enterprises uh, at mark uh, mark at greatbearenterprise.com and again i'm so glad i was able to read this i haven't read this to myself or in general for 20 plus years but it feels like the right time as i said um this is pretty much the conclusion here we're going to finish up in a moment um this was always meant to be an introduction um to these these what's going to happen the remainder of this year and i've been able to share with you about some of the things that have been happening of course the election we have the the coming inauguration we've had all these different challenges as a nation but around the world we're going to be focused in this series and hopefully on coast to coast this thursday and if i'm on coast to coast again at some point they invite me on about nations about full moons and new moons we're going to have a couple of eclipses this year of course we'll eventually have the summer solstice and the fall equinox and another winter solstice later in the year now we're going to get to all of those things I gave you some information already now about January. Plus, if you have the Cosmic Calendar and you're a subscriber, you can go more than one day into the future, which I strongly recommend that you do. Aside from the fact that we're all walking Cosmic Calendars, as I said now many times, and we tend to forget that in our own, and particularly at this point, with so many people in isolation, being more of hermits, getting out less frequently, less social activity, um, more of these kind of rules and regulations that will that we're all feeling very stuck and frustrated that we can't just do what we want to do in a normal way. So we had one of these situations in 1918, 102 years ago. By the way, uh, Chiron has a cycle of about 50 years, and I ha did do a whole podcast, uh, several podcasts actually, connecting up the pandemic of. Uh, the so-called Spanish flu and when it originated and where it originated in 1918 and also connected that that back to the discovery of the planet Neptune September 23rd 1846 also in some of those coronavirus uh, and astrology podcasts I go all the way back to the 1300s particularly around 1340s when the bubonic plague the black plague uh, got to Europe and this went on for a couple of decades this is the thing on and off because again, no medicine, they didn't know what was happening. Also, even 102 years ago, of course, we didn't know, we didn't have antibiotics. We didn't know that it really was a, a flu, an avian flu, H1N1 of the most severe kind. Uh, recently, and I know Donald Trump keeps talking about CNN as 
you know, fake news or the New York Times is the failing New York Times. But there was and still is, they've repeated several times, just for, in case you have a chance, one of the best uh, documentaries, it's an hour in length, Anderson Cooper uh, narrates it. They go back with newsreels and with interviews, people like John Barry, who wrote this book about the, 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 uh, the great influence, I forget exactly the title, but it's a book about 1918, and several other people, including Dr. Fauci, to explain what happened in 1918, why we didn't know what was happening. And again, the second wave, in particular in America, that killed so many more people and also around the world, and that we're making the same mistakes. And I've been watching this all year long because I've studied, um, I, I actually studied, there was one point where I, I got a flu, um, this is like 20 some odd years ago, I'll never forget because I hadn't had flu for a long time. And I went to the public library and I got a very slim volume about the Spanish flu. And it was extraordinary to read that. As I shared before, I'm the son of a doctor, my uncle's a doctor, a lot of family members are doctors. And um, when I got into astrology in 1972-73, it broke my parents' heart because I wasn't following you know, to be a doctor. I got into medical astrology. I remember, I don't have the book anymore. I know the author was a Dr. Cornell and it was a very hardcover book. I'm, hopefully it's still around. And it was the, an encyclopedia, a dictionary, of everything having to do with medical astrology, of signs of the zodiac and planets and what they ruled and different connections and so on. And that was back 20 some odd years ago, or actually it was 40 some odd years ago. So I don't know if that book is out of print, but there's a whole history and it's not just folk medicine. And of course there's, I'm looking right now at a book on my book, bookshelf, Culpepper's um, Complete Herbal, which you can get in paperback, oh, in hardcover. Uh, it's fantastic because herbs and different things that we take with garlic and flowers and different kinds of things, herbal teas and so on. There were different people in the course of history, uh, going back a couple hundred years. Paracelsus was another one, Nicholas Culpepper and other people who delved into things like magic and alchemy at the same time of astrology and coordinating different herbs, different plants, different flowers, different, different food, different bark and trees. This is often under now Chiron's rulership, but also connected to Mercury and all really the different planets. Like for instance, Mars is always associated with onions and garlic and things like that, leeks. So there's a whole history there and plus medical astrology. It's all very, very fascinating. So um, we're dealing with the pandemic now. We're dealing with a, a very trying situation as we go from 2020 to 2021. But again, if you go back in some of the podcasts where I did go back in time to the 1340s, and one of the things that I did share in some of the coronavirus and astrology um, a podcast is actual charts. I remember doing a chart for Jupiter conjunct Pluto, and there are a couple other ones. I think it was a chart for London, Jupiter conjunct Pluto, and we had certain Uranus and Pluto conjunctions or Uranus-Pluto link-ups in the, in the 1340s that then parallel what happened now in recent times under when President uh, Obama was in office, we had uh, Uranus-Pluto connections between uh, Uranus and Aries and Pluto in Capricorn. And they were a mirror reflection kind of in reverse of what was happening in the 1930s where we had a whole series during when Franklin Roosevelt took the oath of office and he was president in the beginning and we had other Uranus-Pluto series of alignments. So we had seven of these, uh, five to seven of these 
between like 2012, 2015 of conflicts between Uranus and Pluto. We had them in the 1930s, which is interesting because Mikhail Gorbachev and Boris Yeltsin, who both led Russia, they were born a year apart, uh, or maybe it's a month apart. One, uh, Boris Yeltsin was sun sign Aquarius and Mikhail, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev is a Pisces. I think they're actually born the same year, 1931, only a month apart. So that was very interesting that they were born at the beginning of the Great Depression and then became ruling figures one after the other um, with the Soviet Union becoming Russia. And that time period of the early 1930s, again, the rise of Hitler, Mussolini had already gained power earlier, the rise of Mao, uh, Franco in Spain and the, the leading edge toward World War II and of course the Great Depression and so many of these other things that are related to the Second World War between World War I and World War II. Um, where a lot of the World War II um, birth happened because Germany was so penalized for, rightly so in many ways, uh, and this was the Versailles Treaty, that came in 1919. Uh, and again, the, the, the Spanish flu was still ongoing, 1918, 1919, and then eventually petered out. Uh, fortunately, they, they explained this in the CNN document, documentary. Um, it's called, I think it's called Pandemic 1918. I'm not exactly sure, but it's from CNN. They've been repeating it several times, but between the newsreels, we also, we also see how Woodrow Wilson, Democratic president, never said anything about the pandemic very similar to what our current president, Donald Trump, has done this past year, where whether because he didn't want alarm bells ringing, he, didn't, he wanted to be reelected, he was hoping it would just go away. Uh, back in 1918, the war was on. We had just entered the war in April of 1917. The war had started um, with the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, June 28, 1914, which was also as I've shared before in other times, around the time that Chiron made a station, just like when JFK was murdered, JFK was murdered exactly when Chiron was stationary. And I've done a whole bunch of articles on Chiron relating to shamans and mentors and uh, psychic sensitivity and deja vu and things that are holistic with healing. Uh, but it's also the twilight zone, kind of the fifth dimension and throwing us out of regular chronological time into another dimension as Zane Stein, who wrote a number of books, uh, coined that expression, chirological time. So we have this idea of entering the twilight zone, but we also have the idea of being wounded. And that's why I focus so much on President Kennedy, not just his own terrible wounds with his assassination. Now we know more astrologically because of his inauguration during a void moon, Mars being retrograde, Chiron exactly stationary in the day he was assassinated. The whole chart on that day, which I've studied, um, unfortunately had to study a lot. There's a Pythagorean triangle with Mercury, Jupiter, and Uranus in a what's called a three, four, five triangle, 90 degree arc, 120 degrees, 150 degrees. There's one of those um, at the foundation of the Third Reich, uh, January 30th, in 1933. And I also found one of these at the Boston Tea Party, they don't happen very often. The one at President Kennedy's murder is exact. And I'm also doing further research now that I'm studying more about when the Secret Service came into being, because um, as I shared with um, my colleague, Wayne Moody, who's done, we're gonna do a lot more uh, publicizing of his work um, about the United States birth chart and the war impulse uh, pattern that he's discovered about certain longitude and latitude areas in different planets. So um, 
he and I talked a whole lot, and he was uh, one of the great writers for Welcome to Planet Earth um, over the course of time of those 20 years. And so uh, he and, and I in particular have conversations about some of the things that have been happening in the last couple of years, and here and there we've met up over the years, and we're still doing a lot of this work. So um, we'll share more about that, but these ideas of um, needing to go back and, and look over things like the U.S. birth chart, the beginning of the Civil War, when Neptune was discovered in 1846, or Uranus discovered March 13, 1781. Now that we have planets like Eris and Sedna, for instance, in the U.S. chart, we now have an outer planet called Chaos, and I didn't know too much about it. There's so many planets are being discovered. We put it into the U.S. chart. Voila, it's right at the Midhaven. It's conjunct Neptune. It gives an extra dimension of confusion and nebulosity. And, and one of the things, as one final reminder before we finish tonight, as we approach the inauguration, and again, I'll be sharing so much more about that inaugural chart before, at the time, and then after, because then we'll see what are the results. How is this unfolding? And the chart will become activated or ignited. So what I've been talking to Wayne about and he with me is like, hey, we put Eris and Sedna and these different planets, chaos, uh, putting in Quaor in the chart for July 4th, 1776. Suddenly there it is in the same degree of the, of the zodiac as the USA moon in Aquarius and Pallas Athena. So we have these situations where over time when the United States was born, we didn't have Uranus. We didn't know where it was. We didn't know where the four asteroids were. We didn't know where Chiron was. We didn't know where Neptune was. We didn't know where Sedna and Eris and these different planets. What I've been doing and what I continue to do, um, and it's it's quite a chore. I mean, it's, I shouldn't say a chore. It's, it's an experiment, and it's fascinating. And I'll be bringing more of this evidence. It has a lot to do with some of the previous presidents, some of the previous assassinations, some of the major events in American history and world history, and now redoing the charts, putting in these other celestial bodies, including, of course, the four main asteroids. So the last thing to say is Vesta, as I shared earlier, and I did, there are two podcasts I did about Vesta where I read from an article, Vesta has many sterling and incredible qualities, um, but it, like everything else, has a shadow side. And one of the shadow sides of Vesta has to do with what happened in Nazi Germany. Um, in the lead up uh, and during World War II. And I wrote a whole series of articles, oh, well, two main, two main articles, and I shared that in podcasts. And uh, it's just scary, and it's, and it's scary but fascinating that asteroids like Ceres, Pallas Athena, Vesta, Juno have dark sides or difficult sides because we misuse those asteroids or nations misuse them or world leaders misuse them. Same thing with Jupiter and Venus are the greater benefic and the lesser benefic, but they, overdoing the, them or when those planets are in a difficult relationship, whether they're square or opposite or making what we call parallels or contraparallels, where they're north-south of the celestial equator, a whole other area that I include, by the way, in the cosmic calendar, I include parallels and contraparallels, which a lot of different uh, other sources don't include. So there are different systems that I work with with the Cosmic Calendar and others. So again, now you have a little bit more to know that as we go forward here, there are going to be charts and in the podcast they'll say, by the way, here are some unusual planets or asteroids. There's also a companion to Chiron called Shariklo. And I hadn't used that, but in the last couple of years, it has a 62-year cycle that goes along with uh, Chiron's 50-year cycle. There's a discovery chart for Shariklo. 
And she's a mythological figure who in many ways was connected to Pallas Athena as well as to Chiron and has a lot to do with healing in different ways. And now I've found through uh, the life and death of loved ones and friends and associates how powerful something like Shariklo is. And I just recently saw that when I'm born, um, I have Jupiter conjunct Shariklo uh, in the United States birth chart. And I never knew that before because I wasn't using Shariklo. So a lot of these celestial bodies have only been discovered recently. We're only now getting in touch with their mythological meanings and how they work out in a practical way. Another planet recently that I started focusing on, again, the, some of these are faraway planets. Okay, now Chiriklo might have a 60 or 62 year cycle. Um, this outer planet Chaos has a cycle that's about 300 years. Uh, Sedna has an 11,000 year cycle. But, but at the current time, it's relatively close. I say relatively to what we might call perihelion. I think the closest approach of Sedna in its 11,000 year cycle is gonna happen in 50 years, 70 years or something, which is part of the reason we even discovered it. But it has such a long orbit. It's part of what we call the Oort belt. There's a Kuiper belt uh, of planets beyond Pluto or just beyond Pluto. And then there's planets further away. Uh, so we have Sedna, very far, 11,000 year orbit. And then Eris has a, a cycle, I think it's about 565 years, but that's more than twice as far away as Pluto. And I did a whole story, which is still in the Earth Aquarius News section, when Donald Trump took the oath of office, and this was following the Me Too movement. And then the day after he, he became president on January 20th, 2017, um, there were all this, many more millions of women around the planet, and particularly in all kinds of cities, gathering against the, the spirit and the energy of Donald Trump, who had shown all this flagrant misuse you know, of his energies with women and his relationships, which are still ongoing, all these question marks of what he did, what he didn't do, and all these di different accusations. But at the time that he was inaugurated, I suddenly realized right before he was inaugurated, wait a minute, here's the, here are the transits, at the time of, of the uh, inauguration, here's his chart. And Eris at the transits was exactly on his Sedna, like no orb, when you say orb, not a degree apart, not two degrees, not five degrees, not eight degrees, within a minute of arc, that's one sixtieth of a degree. And everyone, since he's born in 1946, all people born 1946, 47, 48, 49, 50, like myself, early 50s, in a kind of gradual, motion over the last several years, all of us, I mean, it was exact for Donald Trump, hence Eris on his Sedna, one outer feminine body on another one. And the shadow sides of Eris and Sedna are very conflicting, are very challenging. Now, I believe that both of those planets have very positive traits that just because they're far away and they're named after certain goddesses and some of those mythological stories show negativity or challenge or difficulty or hardship or discord and so on, they, they're not all negative. Just like we know Pluto is not all negative, although it's Lord of the Underworld and represents plutocracy, it can represent repressing things, it can represent darker kinds of negative things that we push down below the surface that don't see the light of day. Same thing with Saturn and Mars, Uranus, Pluto, every single planet, including the sun and the moon as the two lights, can have their negative sides due to aspects or zodiacal location or whatever may be happening where we just misuse the energy, either 
intentionally or by accident. So there is so much more that we'll be doing to look at some of these charts and in, in global hotspots and in Earth Aquarius News or in this article about Iris on Sedna for President Trump. We learn so many things and it takes us sometimes a couple of years to figure out how is this actually manifesting in society? And we've seen, unfortunately, to me, not only Donald Trump, as I said, his chart is more connected to the U.S. chart in so many different positions. I won't go into all of them. I've shared it before, which is part of the reason he's had this enormous influence way beyond what other presidents have had. I mean, other presidents, whether we've liked them or not, in this situation, between the Twitter universe, between all the different kind of uh, accusations that are going back and forth, we're not getting the news of the environment. We're not getting the normal kinds of things. I was just thinking the other day, when was the last art time I heard anything about Bashar al-Assad and Syria? And what's happening in some of these countries, you never hear anything about the statistics with COVID in places like Syria, where so many people are homeless or they're living in camps. Um, in other countries, the news and the information, even in places like Egypt, um, certainly we hear things about uh, Brazil and India. They have, they've been having a struggle like us, whether the leaders are, are positive leaders or they're more authoritarian. Again, in many cases, a lot of the real difficulties is what's the truth about the numbers. We know that recently in Russia, apparently a lot of the statistics were fudged. We believe the same thing has happened in China. And I just saw an extraordinary kind of thing of New Year's in Wuhan, where tens of thousands of people were all out and gathering. Why was China able to sort of control this? Authoritarianism. They were still a communist country. They were able on a national level to force people into their apartments, to make them like not be able to go out to get any food. Art society doesn't work that way. And that's why in the Coronavirus and Astrology podcast, I shared a lot about we're in the worst situation than almost any country. And it shows because we have far more deaths and even the total recently, 350,000, whatever the number is, is considered low, even though Donald Trump and different of his associates say, oh, it's exaggerated. Not, they're not saying it's a hoax anymore because the president actually came down with it. He actually came down with it um, at, at the full moon in, in late September of Libra and Aries when, when the moon was exactly with Chiron. And at that, that was another example. He came down with it for those couple of days. Then he came out with the limousine, the Secret Service. There was a whole issue there that he shouldn't have done that. Came back to the White House, took off his mask. We've had all of these other things that have been happening that have caused uh, the COVID to be spread around through the government. So we've had a very, very dis destructive and very frustrating kind of thing for myself as a news person I've shared before going back to being a reporter at Michigan State University back in 1968, 69, 70, loving people like Walter Cronkite, listening to news on the radio with newspapers in New York and with news that was only 15 minutes or half an hour on TV. And now we have a colossal amount of news, which is on overboard. And my, my own struggle with all this, I think a lot of people are so burned out, they don't know what's, what's, what's true versus not. We've had our own government, which is true, over decades lying to us or concealing things, whether it's the JFK administration, things like the Bay of Pigs when Kennedy was president. Um, he didn't even know what was happening with the CIA through Eisenhower before that. That created a whole bunch of problems with him and the CIA, which may have also partly led or definitely led to his, his murder. 
in which we still don't know. So President uh, Trump said, I'm going to get out all the information. As you may know, we have Ted Cruz right now from Texas. He's about to lead 12 Republicans in trying to uh, mess up what's going to happen in two days on January 6th, where Congress is supposed to just kind of report the statistics of the electoral, uh, electoral vote, which, but instead we have Republicans in the Senate and potentially in the House. They're not going to be able to prevent Joe Biden and Kamala Harris from, from actually at the end of that day or within that 24-hour period getting all the electoral votes and having it recorded, but they're apparently going to create a whole drama. And of all people, Ted Cruz, who had been accused by uh, his his father being part of the uh, assassination of JFK, if you remember back four years ago, and Ted Cruz going ballistic against Donald Trump. And you can still see what Ted Cruz said that was so uh, right on and clear about uh, Donald Trump's um, extreme, what I think is, um, according to people who wrote The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, the psychiatrists and doctors, we've got, you know, a person who's in government as a leader who's got serious mental flaws that are not just, oh, yeah, he's somewhat narcissistic or he has sociopathic tendencies. This is not just a whim. We now see things that everyone is pretty much saying, even some of his supporters who are now racing away from him, that he's delusional. But um, it's really part of his life path. Um, again, there is issues of dementia within his own family. And we know that Ronald Reagan, that was covered up a whole lot, but, um, particularly in his second term. Remember, he, he became president at age 69, was president until he was 77. Here we have Donald Trump uh, entering the presidency when he was um, 70, and now he's 74. And also with Joe Biden, this is an issue as well. And the country will have to grapple with that because he did have, I think it was two brain aneurysms a number of decades ago and the stress of being president. This is part of the reason why, uh, with all the sterling qualities of John McCain, he had been in uh, a North Vietnamese prison camp for five years. And even if I was a John McCain supporter, I don't know if I'd want somebody who had had that experience, even though he learned a lot of lessons, to have a finger on the nuclear trigger and so on. But part of the reason we have the psychological problem of not being able to look at a president like a, a, Donald, uh, a Donald Trump or previously like a Richard Nixon or whoever it might have been with clear eyes is that there's this Goldwater rule. Uh, it's not even a rule, but because Barry Goldwater, even though he was a conservative running against Lyndon Johnson in 1964, he didn't really have a very clear grasp about the perils of nuclear uh, weaponry and starting a nuclear war. And so many of the conservatives at that time were, were gung-ho on you know, let's teach the Soviets, you know, a lesson here, or we're going to start something before they hit us, and so on and so forth. And as I shared recently, it was uh, Carl Sagan who came out all the time against astrology and was a, an unbelievable negative influence to astrologers. Um, nevertheless, he wrote about a potential nuclear winter, and I think it was in 1983 in Parade Magazine when I first read it. And, and it's incredibly important for him as a scientist and as an astronomer that he added to the literature because uh, the whole idea of nuclear energy and astrology is close to my heart and I did a lot of research and again that's available in Earthquare's news complimentary section there's a special article and you can read uh, there and there's a lot of images and background that I think you'll find important but nevertheless he wrote this article that aside from killing ourselves with radiation and uh, creating this horrible 
pestilence and destruction of human beings and land and nature in any kind of nuclear exchange that could have happened at the Cuban Missile Crisis or in other time periods or in the future, we would create a kind of nuclear winter in our atmosphere where the sun wouldn't be able to come through and that would be a whole other disaster and nobody had been talking about that, nobody had looked at it that way. The other really scary thing with all of this and, and what young people need to know is that the megatonnage or the power of the Hiroshima blast and then Nagasaki was even stronger. We only really had two nuclear, two atomic weapons at that time. The Japanese didn't know that. Part of the reason why the weapons were actually dropped in those places because um, A, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but they had thought that it could cost a million American lives to invade Japan and to go through invasions. So it was Harry Truman who didn't know anything about the Manhattan Project and everything about nuclear energy. He was completely in the dark about it and not known anything. Now at least vice presidents, just like Joe Biden with um, Barack Obama, it kind of started with Walter Mondale under Jimmy Carter, a much more favorable connection between a vice president and president where the vice president is much more privy to things. So fortunately, and maybe this is part of the reason Joe Biden has won this time, which was completely unexpected in, by myself as well as many other people. But perhaps the whole thing was this person who had been vice president for eight years, had been in the Senate running different committees, has had a very uh, challenging own life of grief with his Chiron conjunct his own North Node in Joe Biden's chart, could, which is actually on, uh, uh, on uh, Donald Trump's ascendant and Mars. So when you look at Joe Biden's chart, which I put out before, and we'll probably run it again, you see Chiron conjunct his North Node and late Leo. So you see that when he was 29 and his wife died with his daughter in a terrible car accident, and he was going through a Saturn return um, that happened right when he was elected, and then he turned 30, which is the minimum age to be a senator, in November, uh, I think it was 1972, yes, that's when he turned 30 and his wife died, and then he became a senator, and he had the two young boys, uh, Bo and Hunter Biden, and then uh, remarried Jill later. They have another daughter. Uh, they have several grandchildren, I believe. And then Bo Biden, who had been attorney general uh, of Delaware, died uh, of uh, brain cancer in, in 2014, and then Joe Biden decided not to run that time. That's why Hillary Clinton ran and then lost, and now We've got Joe Biden. So again, age is important, and he's bringing with it Chiron into the administration and Chiron, because his Chiron is with his own North Node, and that's a very powerful alignment. And Chiron also close to the North Node with the first nuclear chain reaction, which happened only 12 days after he was born. So that's another interesting thing. There are a lot of changes going on with Russia, with Kim Jong-un, with North Korea, with Iran. We've still got all the issues in the Persian Gulf with nuclear weapons, rogue nuclear weapons. And Joe Biden's chart is very connected to both the United States chart and the, the first nuclear uh, chain reaction chart of December 2nd, 1942, and also Chiron, very powerful. And we need somebody who's in touch with grief because Chiron uh, in the United States chart, in the progress chart for uh, the US is opposite our Mars. And this is one of the ongoing things that's been happening, I mentioned before. Sun conjunct Pallas Athena conjunct Sedna in the secondary progress chart, a triple conjunction in Pisces. But in the last couple of years, 
Chiron and Mars have been in a lockstep opposition uh, from Aries to Libra. And that's been this kind of grief. We've had all the school shootings over so many years, all the challenges between the Republicans and Democrats in the Barack Obama years, and now all of this coming into much more of even almost a civil war type environment between the right and the left, and what's been happening with all this controversy that uh, Donald Trump has been bringing up, that he was really elected, that we need to overturn the election, and this is still ongoing. So we don't know where it's all going to lead. There's danger. It's it's challenging. But through the astrology, I hope to keep sharing on the highest levels with these different charts. So there's a slice of life. I already read the Unlocking Mysteries of Esoteric Astrology, and we've now gone three hours, but it's not the longest one ever. I appreciate your listening and staying on board with all this. And hopefully in the next week or two, I will do part two of all this. Thank you very much for listening and many healing blessings, um, inspirational blessings, and lots of love to all of you and to all your loved ones. Thank you very much and bye for now. Mm -hmm.